0: Seven James Bonds at Casino Royale. They came to save the world and win the gal at Casino Royale.
1: Six of them went to a heavenly spot. The seventh one is going to a place where it's terribly hot.
2: Hello and welcome back to Double Oz 7 for episode 2 of our 3 episode Casino Royale recap. And uh, episode who knows what, because Ben didn't tell me before we started the episode here. But we're well into the 30s now. 32. We're well into the 32s so far, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Whether or not this will be better than 30 or 31, I don't know. But we're here... To talk about 1967's Casino Royale, aka the weirdest movie you have ever seen. <laughs> and, uh, wow, well, I don't even know how I'm gonna uh, anchor this episode, but I am Colin, and I'll show you my strawberry if you show me your apricot. <laughs> uh,
1: and my name is Dr. Noah. My name is Bannon. Huh? <laughs> Can I just say before we start on that name, uh, I'm pissed off because we're all signed up to like this James Bond forum thing and I thought for a username, yeah, Dr. Noah because it's Dr. Noah and it's my name. Then we go to watch this horrible film um, and there's a character called Dr. Noah in it and now people think that I've made my username off this film of all things, like... I'm angry. Now I've got to think of a new one.
2: We would have twice as many listeners if they weren't associating the man promoting our show with Woody (laughs) Allen
3: right now. He really loves 1967's Casino Royale. Oh, I was livid when I heard that.
2: Yeah. um, Again, proof that none of us really paid attention to this movie before we had to do the recap. Um, Or
1: during it. Still didn't. (laughs) Or during
2: it, yeah. we could just start i guess with the initial impressions as always um i think i said in the last episode that i know i had seen parts of this movie before and i can definitely remember some of these scenes but i have to be honest i could have watched this entire thing several times in the past and just still have no clue because i don't know how many times it would take watching this to really gather everything that's going on it is such an outrageous movie um it's it's so bizarre at times, which is really, I guess, a 1967 thing. Uh, I'm actually a fan of a lot of these classic British comedies. Um, you know, Peter Sellers, of course, is famous for starring in a lot of them. And, yeah, the uh, funny ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alec Guinness, uh, for, you know, Star Wars fans, even better at this type of thing than Peter Sellers, but. There's moments in this where I'm just I have no idea what I'm watching, but there's also other moments where it is genuinely funny and I'm not really sure. like we'll go into a bit of the history on this, but I'm not really sure why they had the rights to Casino Royale, and we know there was attempts to make it as a straight movie. I don't disagree with the decision to make it a comedy. I, I do disagree as to why it's two hours and eleven minutes and only about fifteen of the minutes Casino Royale are done you know with the book it's just it seems like there's a missed opportunity to maybe do a more condensed parody that wasn't going to take two hours and 11 minutes and have you struggling to follow a story so there's a lot of problems with this as a movie but i can at least say it 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 succeeds in what it attempts to do which is kind of just be a complete farce
1: uh, I think more farts than farce. Um, no ideas there, Ben. Um,
2: yeah, don't, don't put any effects
1: <laughs> in. I'm just reading here from the history books of Wikipedia. It says that uh, the producer, Charles K. Feldman, the esteemed Charles K. Feldman, um, he had the rights in 1960 and tried to get it made as an Eon film, but he couldn't come to terms with Broccoli and Saltzman. So he went off on his own um, and after that failed, he decided, well, we'll just make a satire or a comedy film. Um, So we almost had Casino Royale in the 60s. Um, But, yeah, they had the rights to it. They didn't have the rights to make a parody. It's not like that was in the the terms. So why didn't they just make a serious one? Maybe they thought it wouldn't compete um, against You Only Live Twice because, as we mentioned, 1967. And I'm hoping Ben has some stats or box office stuff that he's maybe dug up for later on in the film, but yeah. in the episode, <laughs> right no. in
3: front of me, <laughs> there it is. Seriously, typing on the keyboard. <laughs> shit, shit, yeah. shit. Google, yeah, right in front of me. <laughs> um.
1: But yeah, it's a bad film. Like you would consider this a bad film. Um, and the other thing is, it's not funny. Um There are bits where I will say that I literally did laugh out loud a few, and I'll bring them up, not many, but there were where I chuckled, and there were a few bits where I was amused. But it's not a funny movie, and it's not because oh, it's old or whatever, like... There's plenty of great movies, comedy movies from, like, the 50s and 60s. Like, I still maintain some Like It Hot is probably one of the funniest movies ever made. So it's not like it's because it's from the 60s. Um, the jokes just fall so flat. And I'll talk about it in there. But I've rewritten half of this film, like, on the fly like that to ultimately immediately make it more funny. And I'm not a comedy writer or anything. Uh, we're not comedic geniuses. Um uh-huh. <laughs> So, it's a confusing film. It uses, actually, a bit of Casano Royale. It's confusing, it's not funny, and it's just one of the most oddities in Bond history and film history, but I still think it's an important film to talk about because of the historical context of it going up against You Only Live Twice and just to see what people viewed as the stereotypes of James Bond, this early into the series, like a parody film just five or six years into the film series, not like Austin Powers that came, what, 40 years later or something like that. But even then, Get Smart, like I know it's an American TV show, but even that perfectly parodied James Bond, while this is just – it's hardly even a James Bond parody. So it's it's a bad film, but I'm not going to be completely negative on it, though. It's it's just so – Bizarre and interesting.
3: Um, well, yeah. I, I this time about twenty four hours, guys, watching this film, and I still think my head's like in Gaga land right now, trying to work out what the hell I was watching. Um, it was just odd. Like I I flicked through bits and pieces of it when I got it. And, oh, this looks all right. You know, this this bit's funny, and this bit's here, this bit, and it starts off, and you're like cool this is interesting and just a, there was honestly just large portions of this film that i had no idea what was going on and i was not paying attention at all and i i generally like to pay attention to films even if i'm thinking this shit like i hate giving up on things i always like to go through them and finish them and yeah i just was just baffled at what the hell i was watching and you know, like there's some really good actors in this this film, and some great performances, and there are funny bits. But like, I just don't even know what to say because this movie is just just odd. Like, Frankenstein helps him escape at one point. Like, <laughs> I, I I really don't know what else to add. The funniest thing that I'm looking here is the fact this was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, for what? The Look of Love. I guess, okay, that's all right. The song, oh, song. was nominated for Best Original Song, but, like, Noah, you, you were talking about off-air that you'll you and you'll get to this, no doubt. I'm not trying to steal your thunder, but you hated the music, the, the theme. Sorry to say, but uh, it was also nominated for a Grammy for Best Original Score Written for a Motion Picture. Or no!
1: So. <laughs> if, if, let's just say this right off the bat. If this film had a different soundtrack, it may be a bit more bearable to get through the two hours and 11 minutes. No, it's the worst film soundtrack I've ever heard. It's worse than Never Say Never Again. I wanted to shoot my ears. So, no! Suddenly, well, that I mean,
3: Golden Globe nomination for Die Another Day is it looking so bad.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> I was I will song. say, though, like, The Look of Love is a very famous song, that right. famous enough that as I was watching this movie, and I saw the opening credits saying The Look of Love, bye, I assumed that they took an already famous song and put it in the movie, because it doesn't even seem to fit a comedy like this.
3: Mm. It's, yeah, look... I'm so intrigued for this episode because, you know, even on the movies that we've done in this show that I haven't liked, I've still written notes and know what's happening and, you know, still want to comment and usually yell and scream at what's going on. But this one, I don't even know if I can do that because you're going to be like, oh, and this bit happened, blah, blah. Ben, what did you think? I'll be like, I think I was checking Facebook at that point. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I... Oh, this is going to be a fun episode, though. I, I seriously don't know what to say because this is probably the strangest movie I have ever seen in my entire life.
2: As you mentioned, uh, Off Air Noah, there's six directors for this movie, and <laughs> that actually does make sense because this one of the things that hurts this movie is that it's less an adaptation and more just an anthology collection of short films that are loosely tied together, and which is why you know if many people wonder if they've heard about this and never seen it why there's like seven James Bonds in this movie it's because they find a way to write into the plot where every character has to be named James Bond and you'll have a section that's just following Peter Sellers James Bond and then you'll have the the Matahari Mata Bond uh James Bond and and so on it's
1: an interesting it's- comedic situation that falls incredibly flat
2: yeah <laughs> and having so many short films again it's like if that's what you knew it was going to be going in that would be fine but i would assume everybody was expecting a james bond movie and there are moments this where it works but when you always have to stick with these side plots these you know anthologies and they run on forever it seems like it's one joke that just doesn't die And then all of a sudden they jump to a completely new character and a completely new story. It's so hard to follow this as a movie. So I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean, I'm going to be looking through my notes and there will probably be moments in this episode where we're reading things out to you and we have no clue what it is. So um,
1: (laughs) I think the six directors directors thing, as soon as you know that, especially if you've watched the movie first – So much makes sense when you know that six people tried to get in on this. And I know they wouldn't have all done it at once, but I just have this picture of six different people standing in a line yelling directions at all the actors, and that's why they're all confused. And there wasn't supposed to be many James Bonds, but the directors just made the entire cast confused or something. But, yeah. Can we also point out that this is, like, incredibly... This screams B-movie. This cast is, like, star-studded, all-star <laughs> yeah. cast. And, like, normally with a film like this, you'd go onto the Wikipedia, like, maybe two people would have a Wikipedia page. Like, the rest would just grey or red and you'd never hear much about them. IMDb has four films or something like this. This is some of the most famous people of the time. Orson frickin' Wells is in this film and a bunch of James Bond actors. In Huston
2: Houston and William Holden are in the first five minutes together.
1: <laughs> it's just, it's, this is, this film is an anomaly because the cast and the script, uh, I, I do not understand at all. I'm just frazzled by this film. Yes. Yeah.
3: Um, it's about to get more. <laughs> sorry. I didn't know I was meant to say anything. Sorry. <laughs>
2: Yeah, if you got nothing to say, that's fine. Uh, (laughs) I don't. That wasn't a shot at Ben. That was just, let's get on with this. I don't know how I'm going to start this. Let's just throw this out there. A whole section of the movie here. Opening scene, the fame of James Bond pre-title scenes. We have an opening scene where a character who's not even introduced yet is already James Bond, Peter Sellers. And he's talking to Mathis, a character we barely get to know in this movie. And he's showing him his credentials as they stare down at each other's genitals. <laughs> um, and then the scene's abruptly cut for the most bizarre title sequence slash theme you've ever heard. That, Following this, did that, did we see M and a bunch of other bosses. As I said, there's John Huston, there's William Holden. And they're all trying to find this famous retired secret agent, James Bond... Who apparently lives somewhere in the middle of an African safari. (laughs) There's like a five minute monologue which I know is supposed to be funny talking about lions and intestines and I just don't get any of the jokes here. (laughs) This is where I tried to watch it a couple of days ago and this opening sequence uh, where they're talking about the intestines and everything I had no clue. I thought if I watch this at a point where I have more time to dedicate it and more attention span this will make sense. It didn't make sense on a second watch. So they get to James Bond's house and For all of the famous introductions of James Bond throughout the years, we have Sean Connery with his Sylvia Trench. We got Roger Moore in bed with the Italian spy and M coming to his house. You know, Pierce Brosnan dangling from a bungee cord. (sighs) David Niven is introduced squatting up and down on the giant, (laughs) giant hemorrhoid cushion I have ever seen. That's all I can think about what that is. We have a turban. (laughs) <laughs> In a turban, yeah, or babushka or something. I don't know what he was wearing. <laughs> babushka um, babush. Basically M <laughs> is trying to recruit him back. Bond doesn't want to do it. For some reason, Bond's mansion gets blown up and M himself is killed after his hairpiece is blown off. <laughs> um I don't know if we want to stop there. Uh or we could go probably on. Keep
1: going a little bit. I reckon <laughs> Let's, just go. on.
3: Like, film.
2: There's a there's a funeral for M <laughs> where his widow's there who I guess has been replaced by Mimi this um spy who's trying to again kill James Bond. So this is basically, you know, the next section's like Thunderball. There's a weird line about, you know, his, his personal effects His toupee pays a personal effect and she's like it's only regarded as a heirloom. You know, we have bad puns already which is so bad, um, we don't even. Yeah,
1: uh, heirloom, no.
2: Yeah, get it? <laughs> but yeah. then we get to, I think, the first genuinely funny scene in the movie, which again is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen, which James Bond returns to the bubble bath, what Ben's been waiting for. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes.
2: We find out there's a 16 or a 17 year old girl in there. Um, so old man Niven gets in the bath with a 17 year old girl as she's like, Come on in. Uh, I'm just testing the temperature of the water, as she said. Uh, my daddy used to call me his little thermometer. So we're, we get this. Have to cop
1: this girl's name. Yeah,
2: we we we've gotten the first pedo reference in the movie here, and it's not even the only pedophilia reference we're going to get. The, this 17-year-old girl used to take baths with her dad. he can say, come in and test the water, little girl. Like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But David Niven plays it well. Um, yeah, the... I, I don't know what to say other than the fact that this, this scene does strangely work with, you know, um, this 17-year-old girl being really excited to give him a bubble bath and him just looking really awkward and her going, my daddy liked it hotter than that like oh it's so bizarre I
1: think but this film is secretly movie. a bb prequel film
2: yeah it, i got big bb vibes off of everything in this movie big but BB. we'll stop it here because this BB. was the first scene i actually had anything of value to add on uh i i kind of liked the scene it was funny um can we make any sense out of anything i've talked about so far
3: no <laughs>
1: um well kind of jumping a bit all over the place, but immediately, already, I found a joke that should have been done differently. And again, I'm not a comedic genius. It's just common sense. A joke that fell flat. And I'm not sure if it was even meant to be a joke or if it was a plot point. Um, When you have Fat Bastard there on the castle uh, with the bagpipes outside, and he says, Oh, why was Mimi the the widow, and he goes, because oh, she has the best Scottish accent. Oh, no, he was he's not Scottish. She has the best Scottish accent. I can't do French. That's when you have Mimi as the widow doing the worst Scottish accent you've ever heard, and that's the joke that Mimi, who does the best Scottish accent playing the widow, is just horrible, and she does this comedic, laughable Scottish accent. Instead, she does a half-believable Scottish accent. I'm like is that supposed to be a joke or not? Because there could have been a joke in there. Um, so already, strike against this film. Uh, it's just, There was one funny line. I didn't write it down. Um, what is it when he she's talking about the traditions and she goes, uh, but did, is, is, did he call it a grouse? What's a grouse? Uh, is that like a flower or something? And he goes, but grouses only f- grow in the spring. And, She's talking about traditions, and she goes, Whenever Maccari dies, Gruces grow. Or like there was a funny line in there. I, I didn't write it down properly. but
2: Yeah, I found Grus uh, is a group of
1: birds. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I've got
2: the film playing
1: in the background, or, so when it comes up, I'll mention it. But...
2: Alternatively, it is a character in The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> so, take your pick as to which one they were talking about. It could have been either. It, it may it, not be. It's have also been what
3: a, um, Australians say when something's really good. That's grouse. Oh no, wrong one. Um and then don't they speak of the tradition
1: like the widow's uh rites or something where she's got a bang uh got a bang bond because of that? Um uh, So there's already one thing that doesn't work. Um the other thing is are they playing this McCurry thing as a joke? Like they mention it so much, is it like oh hilarious m has a name that is so funny like they mention it and they emphasize oh it's not m it's Makatari." like what is happening there i don't understand um could have been mallory yeah so like they really um they really emphasize that um and then uh I'm looking at the film right now, and they, they have the goat there um, carried by six barefoot virgins. Uh, I guess that was <laughs> kind of funny. Um, and she has to slaughter the goat. Here I am just commentating the film in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just waiting sense. for that funny line to come up. But um, the pre-titles, what? Like, it's, is it a flash forward? Like because yeah, he has not become sense. Bond yet. Like technically, we can't get too upset about it because of the whole Red Grant thing in From Russia with Love. But this is just weird, and obviously, it's just meant to be like a a throwaway sketch at the start of it. But if you're doing a throwaway sketch at the start of it, why don't you have something that's funny? Um, this is just here's my credentials. Oh. A penis joke that barely even makes sense. (laughs) Um, oh, here we go. And we we go to the Memorial grouse shoot and he says, but surely grouses are next season. Whenever a maternity dies, the grouse come into season. Um, not so funny when I say it now, but I kind of chuckled at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, let me just wrap up here. The lions. What the hell? The turban. What the hell? Bon has a servant. Um, and the official's so British. Am I the only one who didn't get the M died? Like, oh. Where yeah, it see? was
2: very confusing.
1: Like, I thought the joke was, oh, he has a toupee. Not that M's dead in the first ten minutes of the film. Um, Apparently his, his
2: heart is linked to his toupee, so at some point <laughs> after that, when the toupee expired, so did he.
1: And then there's a bit of plot where 11 agents have been lost in the last fortnight... Um, and that the the CIA, MI six, and KGB are joining together because um, there's this yeah there's this weird um, like team who e- end up being Smursh who are killing off the agents. So there's a bit of plot for you, um, and not quite funny, kind of cringeworthy when he was like CIA uh, AOK like going on. Um, and then I don't have too much more to add, but the the whole underage women like this is just weird and david niven's getting on a bit and he plays it okay but like this is 1967 this is essentially um on a majesty's secret service two two uh years earlier except for they're all under age and he doesn't get with any of them um but this whole scene of all the women want bond and he's in this kind of castle thing so kind of funny to watch it and see on Secret Service there. Um and then the last thing is this film has rape jokes in it. Like I didn't write them down word for word, but there were multiple rape jokes, um, which I'm not sure that was the best decision. Um, and just quickly, I'm going on, but David Niven, he's pretty good in this film. He's a classic actor, and we should mention he was actually touted to be a potential bomb when Connery got the role, I believe that's right, which not sure he would have made the best Bond, But he does what he can with this film And I think he makes it all the more better If this film did have B-movie actors It would go down even worse But yeah, so much randomness going on here
3: Oh, please keep talking Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't
1: worry, I kind of lost interest And stopped taking extra notes later on in the film So don't expect it to keep up I'm
3: just reading what I've written here Cars arriving sheep (laughs) <laughs> um, intestines down and wastes them. What was that, the scene at the beginning? Like, well, these cars come to this fork in the road and there's sheep and they bugger off. I don't... Whatever, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, Hilarious. We're at a sheep I, I was...
0: <laughs>
2: I'm sure it made a lot of sense in 1967 when everybody was stoned. Mildred's
3: <laughs> watching this going, Oh, hilarious. Oh, the <laughs> crossroads. Bloody hell. I don't think even Remember when we started.
0: took that acid before seeing Casino <laughs> Royale?
3: Yeah, we, we talked
1: about Guy Hamilton's magical ac- acid trip. This is like the six directors' magical cocaine meth trip. <laughs> like, this is mental I, I i'm convinced everyone was either high and or drunk during this
3: I, I actually i think that when people bought tickets to see this in the movies they were given a little packet of like drugs to take with them so they'll give yes. us some yes. pills to go in. <laughs> enjoy this film mildred with your free drugs um yeah the lions okay the only, uh, was i the only one who noticed the born free theme Are we all born free fans here? um Clearly not. Uh- <laughs> oh, maybe know. a
1: theory, but does he own lions? Because here's us trying to piece the plot together. Does he own lions because he was like, what was he married or had a love affair with some Indian or some sort of woman? Indian. Yeah, Mata Mata-Mari, Matahari Matahari. So maybe she is. owned Indians.
2: Or Very something? famous historical figure. She owned <laughs> Indians. <laughs>
3: She owned tigers, lions. Well, lions. <laughs> lions aren't Indian, and she was Dutch. <laughs> well, in octopusy they had lions, didn't they? All those Dutch lions
1: that are very well. Yeah, known. but his daughter. Honestly, where was she? She was in India, wasn't she?
2: Feldman either had an animal fetish or he struck a deal with some zoo because we're gonna have monkeys. <laughs> And tigers and everything after well, that.
1: Well, when he goes to visit his Mada Bond daughter or whoever she is, where is he?
3: <laughs> At her
1: house? I, I assumed it was India.
3: <laughs> Listen to us. Explaining the, this plot of the film, we still can't even get it right. <laughs> All right. There. Sorry, Ben.
1: Continue on.
3: Um, yeah. So, like, it's starting off fine. Like, okay, a bit of weird comedy and they're in the house. And as you said, they're explaining a bit of a plot. Great. He doesn't want to come back. So what does M do? He bombs his house. Like what a douchebag. He won't come back to MI6. Let's just blow up your house. Yeah, that will do it. What a tosspot. Like why? That won't make you dead, mate. Like it's karma. Like fucking don't blow up Bond's house.
1: (laughs) Does that mean his servant died then?
3: Him it's it's dead. yeah, we what should look at timid? the grim
1: reality of uh, what? Cavern Tooth's death, right then. <laughs>
3: So, So, Inspector, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, don't listen to this next bit. But when he opens up the DVD of Judy Dench, like, that's like a self destruct mode on it. Like, <laughs> no bond, I'm dead. Boom! Um, <laughs> yeah, I. whatever. Um, and sc- this whole Scotland thing, like. So, the point of this is. They're trying to get Bond to have sex, which he keeps saying no, because I'm guessing he's a good non-pedo, unlike M. So he's <laughs> trying to find out the ages of all these girls. So they're between 16 and 19, and just happens to be a 17-year-old in the bath. So he...
1: that's kind of funny, though. Yes, uh, he uh, adopted lots of children. <laughs> when he's like, "How old are you? We're all between 16 and 19." That was kind of funny
3: gets in the bath 17 year old girl and why not and i i do i i did like how he played it though when it's like just turn around and he sort of got that look at his face like um <laughs> like he doesn't want to turn around um yeah i don't get any of this It's scotland and there's a weird ugly woman on a painting and they're talking about haggis and then they're randomly throwing concrete rocks and then they're shooting things And then he's in a car, and he's getting chased by a woman. Um, I've written here, pay the piper in bed. So this is what a a foreshadow of the world is not enough. Um, lady on pipe, poor green screen. And kissing and convent... I don't even know what I've written here. Um... Yeah, I, I've got nothing... Like, this is going to be this whole episode. Noah's probably going to waffle on for 20 minutes, and I'm just going to come in and go, Yep, that happened. <laughs> Where's
1: Cable?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, for those who haven't heard Die Another Day, Ben just pulled a Noah. Um, that was the bit I was going to cover in my next section. <laughs> but, yeah, we could talk about that now. That's basically the whole next section here. Um, so bond is there having a party i guess now that em is dead the whole family celebrates because like they are (laughs) they're either all on this cocaine crystal meth concoction or whatever is going on well this is
1: smirsch right
2: yeah uh well i mean, using em's family
1: Well, I thought the joke was uh, they're all the Smirsch agents, that's why they're all French, pretending to be Scottish.
2: Um, (laughs) That joke makes sense, I guess, now.
1: Uh, Yeah, so they're they're Smirsch agents and they have to pretend, that's why they're all French. Wait, but (laughs) Smirsch,
2: the the Soviet
1: organization, are all French? (laughs) Well, that also begs the question, Is why is none of M the guy... It's family at his house. While all these French Smursh agents are running amok, where's his family? And who are the Scottish dudes? Then aren't they questioning all these French women?
2: Yeah, um, my my head's really starting to hurt here. <laughs> I uh, don't I want to talk. To the surely they're the agents.
1: I think they're the agents, aren't they? Uh, they can say that I don't the think agents matters. are all made up of women.
2: I don't think Feldman knows at this
0: point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, so Vaughn has a slight stiffness come on at the dinner scene. More foreshadowing on Her Majesty Secret Service. Okay, they have, I guess there's a challenge. I don't know if this is supposed to be a challenge to the death, but they have a quick game of big balls, basically <laughs> is what happens here.
1: War or
2: this is the first moment where they just don't know how to let a joke die. Okay, we're going to pick up a giant boulder and try and throw it. The first big strong guy picks it up, and he falls flat on his back. So the next person picks it up and falls flat on his back. But this scene has been going for over five minutes already, and we're only halfway through this game, and it's the same joke every time. The only thing that saves this is Mimi suddenly being completely wowed by Bond, so she no longer wants to kill him, and her repeatedly shouting, Superb! Formidable! Magnifique! Like every excited French word you could think of, she's shouting, when Bond has done nothing yet. This goes into, and this is, uh, oh, I don't even know how to talk about this. One of the most bizarre <laughs> scenes I've ever seen. It's skeet shooting, but they're skeet shooting missiles. Grouse shooting. Grouse shooting. <laughs> and the, the idea, I guess, is that they're supposed to be killing Bond, but Mimi ends up taking a bullet or something. And she has this, again, very long, drawn-out drawn death scene. Which, no joke, if nobody has seen this, or if you have seen it and still have no clue what's going on, or fell asleep or anything, the scene ends with Bond saying, are you quite sure you're dying? And her going, no, I'm going to another world! There's a convent over that hill. And she gets up and walks away, and then Bond's pants proceed to fall down. For no reason whatsoever. End of scene.
0: What is happening here?
1: <laughs> go on, go oh. <laughs> um yeah i'm I'm just you, you're not wrong because i've got it in the background the war the ball big ball Stop scene watching
3: the movie and talk about it
1: <laughs> um well well he's not wrong because in all that time the scene is not freaking over yet he's <laughs> completely right it's maybe twice you're allowed to do that joke not five people yeah. like yeah it's funny well it's not funny the first time but It's there the first time. The second time, yeah, we get it. Then Bond gets it the third time. But it is really no surprise because this was foreshadowed when we first met Bond doing his squats. Um, So we should not be surprised. They obviously hinted at that. Um, uh, So, yeah, this not just this scene. I'm going to call it and say every single scene could have been cut. You could do a 90-minute cut of this film and it's still not good, but it's still better. If you did a ninety minute cut, it would be bearable and change the soundtrack because there's so much that can go here, especially this um the birds again, this is where I assume that they're the agents of smirsh, and that that's why they're all female and that they're all trying to kill bomb with the bird bombs um. Which oh, I can't God. believe. I'm doing quite yeah. Grouse popped. I'm doing quite good with the plot at this moment. But what's with the the port of, uh the um what do you call it the combi with no roof like what? It's just compl- like a bunch of hot French babes on a combi. Okay, um, which we should say big plus for this film. Probably the hottest Bond girl cast in the entire franchise. Like. Maybe we'll, get uh, we'll get mm, to Miss Money Moneypenny. We'll get to Vesper and Good Thighs. Not um, a Bond. Yeah, definitely a big plus tick for this film. Awesome. Words.
3: Yeah. Or- <laughs> you <say> Orson well? <laughs> Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's why they're doing it with the birds, the bird bombs, the grouse bombs. But then, like, I don't get... Bond, like, throws a disc thing at it or something, and then they're throwing it back and forth or something. Um, But, yeah, I, I like my notes. Picking up stone balls, cut to Bond shooting birds, cut to bird bombs, Bond blows up the combi. Cut to Mimi leaves. Um, so there's my notes for that scene. Um Did so he yeah, she went to another world. A- another world. <laughs> Across the mountains. <laughs> yeah, we bond with his pants down. <laughs>
3: That's I-, I I'm doing a no, and I'm watching it at the same time, and I must have seen that in the first. It's hilarious. It's just like cut to Bond. And he falls over. His pants.
1: Bond with his grandpa just
3: expected that shirt. moment. It's like someone
1: needs to recut it when these pants fall (laughs) down. Yeah, but combi that shoots bird bombs. Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of with the plot at the moment, but I just don't understand why any of this is happening and what's with the bird bombs and how they're flicking back and forth. Um, But, yeah. Come on, Ben, give us some insightful comment
3: here. Oh, isn't it my time to jump ahead here? Like, no, I'm, I'm watching the birds and you can see the strings. And it looks so bad. I thought the kite surfing looked bad. Well, like, don't defend the kite surfing. Somebody's got a hat box and put like a bit of cereal box on it. Got a witch's hat top of the that made it a bird and then he's got no pants oh, oh. maybe it is a funny film after all it's so funny because it's stupid
1: what's with the slingshot as well with the braces
3: <laughs> I think if people are listening to this and again I think we said it in the last episode Like, make sure you watch the film first because if you're listening to this you've never seen it well, watch like, it as you go
1: this whole, episode really is just matter.
3: Us, this whole episode yeah. is just us going, what's this? What's this got to do with anything? Yeah, I Why's can see this?
1: the strings now that you mention it on the page. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Slingshotting
1: <laughs> things at just, them.
3: Just... <laughs> <laughs> the fucking truck blows up with the birds. Why? Oh, no. I... gotta talk. <laughs> um... Well, glad we're
2: done with that bit. Let's move on to stuff that's equally confusing. Actually, it gets a little bit better from here because now Bond has been promoted to be the new M, I guess. And. And
1: uh, Penny still wants that job.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, old man Suggested that. <laughs> well, the the money penny bit. This is what, I kind of get what you're saying. Oh. though that there's better ways to write the jokes because. I actually really... First, we had the, the milk truck scene, which, again, foreshadowing... You know, <laughs> the Bond Necro? movies were very influenced by this going forward. We had the pay-the-piper <laughs> hey, bit from earlier. We got the milk truck with Necros. Um
1: 2000C. Yeah,
2: we're about to have Bond get it on with Money um The, the this, influence
1: for Penelope Smallbone.
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's all coming back now. Um this is one of those jokes that I think plays better as bond meets money penny, where if they just knew how to end a joke or something, because bond comes in and it's like money penny, you look, you haven't changed a bit or you haven't aged a day. And he basically proceeds to stick his tongue right down her throat awkwardly. And then all of a sudden there's just this long pause. She goes, actually, I'm her daughter. The joke should have ended there and just had him look really uncomfortable. But then she goes on to say, yeah, mom talked about you before. And uh, I took over this job. It's like, we don't care. Just let the joke <laughs> die. But as you said, this may be the hottest money penny we've seen. Um, oh,
1: hands down.
2: All is forgiven. Um <laughs> Those eyes. Well that. not no,
1: Orson Welles' eyes.
2: Ben, ben was. I thought Ben was looking for the nipples. He was too distracted by Orson Welles' nipples in this. Orson
1: <laughs> awesome Welles' with, big with eyes juice like that.
2: I'm actually am looking in her eyes. I'm not joking. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, it goes on to explain, I guess, that, uh, there was another James Bond, which I don't know why this was necessary too. they explained that this whole womanizer reputation came from another guy named James Bond, who's apparently gone into television, I guess this was Barry Nelson, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: she got Barry back for a cameo,
2: yeah, if they could have gotten, if anybody remembered, I guess nobody yeah, no knew. one would know, there's also a quick flash to, which at the time I thought this makes no sense, but it does come back later, uh, Jimmy Bond, his nephew, played by Woody <laughs> Allen in the Caribbean. Jimmy uh, Bond! There yeah, he is Jim, there. Which, if you're really following this, James Bond's nephew, American, this is James Bond Jr. at a much older and nerdier age, <laughs> and the Do whole plan know? that the new M slash James Bond Sr. wants to come up with Is he wants every agent in the world to become James Bond. And he wants to train them to hate sex. Because again, as you said, the Smirsch plot is just to get a bunch of women to seduce Bond. So if they are all named James Bond. And somehow you could train them all to hate sex. Then I guess they get the upper hand? I don't know. So they're going on a mission to train James Bond to have no chemistry with women whatsoever. If this were 20 years later, Timothy Dalton nails this part. <laughs> but for now, it's got to be Peter Sellers because the next sequence is, well, I guess, I don't know if we had the M scene in here or not. Um, we might have, or the, the Q scene, who knows. But Ursula Andress is back. <laughs> now she is Vesper Lind and she's wearing a very flamboyant version of the turban that Bond had on at the beginning of the movie. And she's recruited to basically help in finding a guy to beat Lachif. I'll, I'll kind of stop it there before we get into her and Peter Sellers banging. Um, well, uh, this is how every segment's going to end. Um, I just told you what happened in the movie. I don't understand it. Um, it's not really that
1: funny here. Go, Noah. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, you mentioned my favourite character, the fifth rejected uh, Beatle, Hadley, um, <laughs> who uh, kind That's of looked like name. a weird amalgamation of John Lennon and Paul McCartney. Again, the influence, live and let die. Um, this is like Die Another Day in reverse. There's all these references, but it came first. Um, I did like this joke. Who are you? Uh, my name's Hadley. I'm my father's son, sir. I thought that was kind of funny. Um No? All
3: right.
1: (laughs) 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 Random milk van chase, and for some reason, Bond has a race car throughout this film. Um, I don't get this joke. Uh, When they're looking at the board and he's like uh, talking about how all the, like, he was killed in a brothel and all this stuff. Um, He says, where's my namesake on the board? And Hadley says, uh, we had to take him off. He's now doing television.
3: Yeah, what is that?
1: I don't get the joke there. A- and why,
2: ju- like, if if they're making it for the for the sake of the story, why not just have it that he, this James Bond, David Niven, was this womanizer and and that that's the reputation? Because it doesn't make sense why they even have another character, let alone the television
3: joke. <laughs> Does anyone get the joke? <laughs> we'll have to it's ask like a die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, what almost made me die? Moneypenny, I have to say, the best thing about this film. I'm a huge fan of this Money Penny. Um Like, I love Lois, but maybe when Lois got to the Roger Moore, we could bring this woman in. Um, <laughs> and you didn't mention the scene that I'm incredibly jealous of where Moneypenny gets to make out... Um, like the guys get to stand in the line and she makes out with them all. How do I get a role in this film? Well, um,
2: you almost phrase that the wrong way. You're like the scene I'm very jealous of where Money Penny gets to make out with a bunch of guys. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> you, not corrected
1: I'm <laughs> you corrected yourself. Hey. Ben's like, Oh, I'm jealous of when they make <laughs> out with Orson Welles. <laughs> those eyes.
3: Why is it back to me being gay? Isn't it all collin shirtless? You're t- the one who just said. You're the oh, one who said it when we're talking about all the hot
2: women. <laughs>
3: yeah, alright. Good call.
1: <laughs> um oh, yeah, money penny, big tick. And not only that, big, but what? She was big <laughs> tick. Tick Are you having a stroke collar ticker?
2: Well I'm emphasizing in case anybody's wondering what the yeah, words you just tics. said was.
1: Get off
3: the LSD, Colin. We stopped watching the film.
1: Big, big, massive ticks against Money Penny. Um Definitely. So definitely a huge fan of hers. But you're right, the joke could have ended, or at least had some more funny ones like what's she up to and had some jokes in there or something like um, She's dead.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, really, really. Black comedy, this one. What's your mother up to? <laughs> she's dead. Um, so which she's probably singled. would have been f- funnier than, mo- <laughs> than most of the- Well, he's already a pedophile, um, so he might as well get on the neck as well. There's
3: um, rape, there's pedo. There's, like, this movie's got it all. The thing Even is... This- coming on later
1: on. So. <laughs> that's, this- that's on the, the poster, this is the rape. Pedro, this movie's got it all. Um And this is this isn't even us being like dirty. This is all just quoting stuff that's happened in the film. Um okay. Uh but yeah, that's like a parody of the uh Thunderbolt poster where he says James Bond does it everywhere. Um But yeah, I did laugh at the introduction of Woody Allen as Jimmy Bond where he escapes from his Uh, what, assassination, would you call it? Uh, (laughs) To drop into another (laughs) fireball. Yeah, to drop over the wall into another one. That was kind of funny. I laughed at that. Um, (laughs) And Woody Allen is good in his limited appearances in this film. Um, But that was kind of funny. I thought that was a bit goofy. Um, And then you also didn't mention that they have to get an an AFSD. A what? An anti-female spy device. Um, So I guess they're trying to get... um, they're trying to find a spy who would reject all women, um, I guess. Put me in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's awesome worlds? Um, so, are we going to talk about Cooper now or not yet?
3: If you want, I... I yeah. Well, I don't have much to add. Cause, I well, don't we, have anything but, to say. It's fine. Just, you two just continue. Uh, it's all good. Uh,
1: no, I've only got one thing to add. Just uh, semi-racist tones here when they've got the women and it's like... Alright, the white woman. Hello, no, no, Allison or whatever. Then he calls over the Chinese woman. Come here, Tingling. Oh, oh really? <laughs> tingling? Are they What's trying to cash in on You Only Live Twice? <laughs> the year of Yellow Face, 1967. <laughs> you only lived twice. <laughs> well, You Only Live Twice, breaking new grounds with bond banging four Chinese- Japanese women. And then this film, Tingling. <laughs> Although, yeah, Sean Connery. Um... Yeah, nothing much more to add other than Ursula Andress is good in this film. I don't know why she agreed to it. Don't know why she's back. Hilarious that Nikki Van Der is back, but like she's not the same quality actor as or awesome, awesome eyes Wells and uh, all the others. But she does really good in this film as Vespa, even though it's hardly the character of Vespa. But I like Ursula coming back. Could have made some more Doctor No tongue in cheek jokes, though I think.
3: Shut up, Noah. Let me talk.
2: <laughs> We're afraid you're going to cover the rest of the movie before we get a chance.
3: <laughs> and the bit where they fight at the end and they're all in heaven. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, I watched the same film as you guys did. <laughs> I love how we all came with this. Ah, oh, we won't have much to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, oh, and this happened, this happened, this, all oh, this business is hilarious. Um. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Money Penny's hot. Um, the whole bit was, yeah, macking on with it. Uh, the whole line of men. And what's the guy? Is that Coop we're talking about? The guy who's like really. Um, Friday sex fan. Yeah, yeah. When like she <laughs> makes it on Money Penny and they like. Yeah, the that's sex. Cooper. That is Coop?
1: Yeah, right. Cooper? Cooper? What?
3: Coop? Coop. It's, it's strange because like, I, when I watch a lot of these old films. Like I look at the women I'm like oh they're attractive But you know They're probably like 80 now So like You can't be attracted to them <laughs> Well you can They probably have short hair And it's grey <laughs> Wrinkles and short hair And they're no awesome world The scene when Coop I guess Is in that room With all the women And that woman walks towards him In the, that white bikini With the knife on it I wonder if oh, they're gosh. trying to She's hot And there's a bunch of other hot women They've all got well, long hair too What about Tingling <laughs> She's there. Um, <laughs> Poor Tingling. Yeah, I don't really... I, my favourite bit of the whole... I love the Woody Allen bit where, yeah, when he climbs over the wall. But I love it <laughs> when he's, like, walking off and he's like, oh, my doctor said I had a very low threshold for death or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, they say I can't have any bullets into my body. <laughs> I love to be the doctor that says you can.
1: They they must be the worst though, Because he was quite slow on that wall Why didn't they just shoot him
3: And then when he turns around and he's like What if I said I was pregnant
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kind of stealing the jokes from Get Smart there But still Um, funny
3: Would you believe Please tell me if I'm skipping ahead here If I bring up the look of love Am, Am I skipping ahead Yes Because I honestly, seriously, my notes, like you guys are talking about all this stuff, and my notes legitimately go from Woody Allen to Cooper Big Eyes Don't Keep It Simple Call Me Coop and to Ursula Andrews. So I've missed a whole bunch of shit you two are talking about. So that's why I'm skipping ahead so much. Um, That's
2: basically what you have. You just condensed it.
3: (laughs) A lot.
1: You're right, though. I'm looking at it. Those eyes, the star of this film. (laughs)
3: I know, right? I mean, Awesome Wells. I'm Just- talking about Awesome Wells, right?
2: Oh, I'm assuming Ben's done now. I'll he well.
3: there, there is a short haired woman in that scene. I didn't
1: yeah, I'm it. looking at a short haired woman. Ben, no wonder he stopped playing. She <laughs> 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 quarrels Mary Scream, short haired woman.
2: Poor Matta Bond later on. Ben's going to completely ignore her when she cuts her hair halfway through the film. Who? Oh, sorry. Big big pause, Ben didn't realize that Madabon was still in the film once she cut her hair.
3: I didn't even um, see that bit. <laughs> she's in like six scenes, she probably has more screen time with the short hair. I don't even remember the bit when she's like, oh, if you weren't my dad, I'd fuck you, like.
1: <laughs> we'll get there. There's so much incest and pedophilia in this film. <laughs> this is wrong. This is I a, a, a dick, stamp and snuff film. <laughs> um, well, uh, this is just weird.
2: Let's, let's have a little bit more Ursula because there can never be enough. Um, this is basically her section of the movie here. So whatever director was lucky enough to have Ursula Andrus, uh, he was enjoying filming her in slow motion, jumping on a bed surrounded by flying pink feathers. <laughs> Which th- basically the context is that she recruits Peter Sellers, whose name is Evelyn Tremble. Um, <laughs> That's a girl's name. It's a Bond girl name, um, but they're going to name him James Bond, and he's this baccarat master, so they want to use him to go against Lachine. Wait, wait, wait. Um,
1: they just made Coop Bond, so why do they make Evelyn Tremble Bond straight after?
2: I, I think the idea is they're making everybody Bond just to to kind of create this diversion, like they'll never know who to really go after as long as every but, agent is.
1: Yeah, bond. no, that's, that's probably right. But it's kind of weird that they just set up like, we need to fund this one agent and they have the making out seat and then straight after, well, here's another one.
2: Well, yeah. And it also makes even less sense with the entire plot that was revealed by David Niven bond was <laughs> we want to make sure our agents can resist sex. So let's send Ursula Andress to literally <laughs> bang Peter Sellers
1: through the floor. they have sex
2: and it actually descends through the floor um (laughs) just to make this the most bizarre scene i keep trying to i keep wanting to say the most bizarre scene i've ever seen but then i remember something else that happens later on but up until now the most bizarre thing even even following the another world convent pants falling down uh peter sellers bond Eve, well Evelyn. that's what I was
1: going to say uh, just to make this even less confusing can we refer to him as Evelyn? Yeah let's just call we'll him Evelyn. we'll refer to David Niven as Bond and we'll refer yeah. to Marta, or Marta as Bond
2: uh, <laughs> not Bond. Um, so she has him playing dress up where <laughs> I guess him dressing up as Hitler and Napoleon gets her the off.
1: <laughs> He's so gay. <laughs> Well, I think that's what they're going for.
3: I know, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not meaning that it's a bad thing, just the way he does it. Like, it's
2: hilarious. (laughs) But why in the scene that he's playing dress-up as Hitler and Napoleon, and he's having just a regular conversation with Vesper, Ursula Andress, why, when he is played in normal motion, (laughs) at full speed, is he having a conversation with her, and for whatever reason there is... Only when they cut to her is she jumping in slow motion, but speaking at a normal speed. I don't even understand it. Like, was it meant to be funny? Was it meant to freak people out who were on acid at the time? I don't get it at all. Then there's the quick line, as I said, where he goes, I'll show you my strawberry if you show me your apricot, which I guess they already banged through the floor. He should have seen it already. And then we get to, I guess we'll just cover all the way up until the Matabon sequence, the Q-Lab scene. Where
3: there's a cute um, scene,
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs> where Santa's elf is tailing them, and we find out the Santa's elf is the head of security, uh. which all ends in Evelyn <laughs> getting his one gadget, which is a watch cam, which just constantly shows Ursula Andrus which makes even less sense why he needs this gadget because she's with him all the time uh, throughout the rest of this movie. It's just the gadget that taps into Lewis Gilbert's floating camera. (laughs) And that's where my notes end at this point. Um, And I can't make any sense out of anything that's going on, especially with the elf, Santa's elf, with the rosy cheeks that is the head of security.
1: Um, Yeah, let's start with the Q lab. (laughs) One special note that we need to... We've already seen Ursula Andrews. uh, In this scene, as Q's assistant is Dennis. Uh, the esteemed yes. husband of uh, Maggie Thatcher from For Your Eyes Only, so Dennis is in this film. That's exciting. Still eating and getting slapped. Um, so a Margaret Thatcher prequel film. This is. Um, uh, yeah, the Q Labs So much opportunity to parody Q Lab stuff, but instead they either do stuff that's more serious than the Q Lab stuff, or just dumb stuff. When
2: You're they right, qu- it's not even a parody.
1: Yeah, this is the perfect opportunity to have some Bond parody and satire. But instead, they're just doing the same thing that would happen in that or different stuff. I'm looking at it now. A guy chops a karate block. Then he chops himself in the head and (laughs) knocks himself out. And then the other thing is when he's getting his gadget in the background, instead of a Q-Lab thing, you've got two guys in uniform beating the shit out of some guy in a chair. Like, they're not even doing anything funny. They're literally just beating him with batons. It's crazy. I'm like, why is he getting beat up? Was just, did they have to merge the torture sector with the Q-Lab? Because you go back and watch it, it's literally two guys beating up another guy in a chair. Hilarious satire of the Bond franchise. Um... Yeah, like, that's just so much opportunity here. And again, with the gadgets, more opportunity to have a funny, over-the-top, goofy, parody Bond gadget. Instead, they have something that would show up in a Bond film and probably has. Um So, yeah, this Hulk and Q is probably the most unmemorable person in this film. Um, mm-hmm. So, it's, so much... <laughs> ben can't even remember he was in it. Yeah. <laughs> Q and M just... Money Penny stands out this time. Q&M, no. Um, yeah, the Q scene's such a wasted opportunity. And then you have Dennis, uh, gay stereotype of the fashion guy, like touching Peter Sellers up. Um, yeah, could have done so much more with this. Um, as for the scene with Vespa, um I kind of like these scenes, the interaction with the two characters, but it goes on 10 minutes longer than it needs to, and it's probably only 12 minutes long. Um, it just goes on and on. I don't get is she Why is she taking photos of him? Is this like a From Russia With Love thing to frame him or something, like getting him to dress up as Hitler? I missed why she's doing that.
2: I don't get it either.
1: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we should also point out that the reason she's going after Evelyn is because he ro- did he write, I think, wrote a book? He wrote the book, yeah. Um, the book on Baccarat. Um,
3: mm-hmm. Didn't have so to hear it ba- explained ba- for three hours this time. Yeah, right?
1: after two films, we still don't know about Baccarat. And that's <laughs> one thing this film does better is the Baccarat scene. Merchandise tie-in, go and buy the book. <laughs> yeah, the, maybe it's a history of the Great Baccarat Scandal of 1868. Or, um, hmm. But, yeah, that's actually a thing. Check it out on Wikipedia. I'm not making a joke there. Um, well, listen to so, 007, episode 31. Yeah. <laughs> the last episode. Who are we kidding? No one's listening to this or the last one. Um, they've hello they've, got, they've I, skipped
3: ahead to Craig. They're already listening yeah. to our Spectre episode, which can I say was one of our best episodes. Uh, it was Fantastic. Pretty, it was so good. Not as good as Bond things. 25, but whatever. Yeah,
1: we'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, I like the scene, the interactions with the two, but what's with the spinny bed? Like, I don't envy those actors. Um, I would have got completely dizzy with that. Um, and then, yeah, making him dress up. So it just confuses me. But, yeah, he's the Baccarat specialist, wrote the book on Baccarat. Um and just a quick side note, Peter Sellers probably the best part about this film. Every scene mm-hmm. he's in, he delivers, and I really enjoy his character, <laughs> Evelyn Tremble, the Bond girl. Um, like, I, I just think he delivers, and if he wasn't in this film, it would just go down because he definitely makes or breaks a lot of these seeds, and he just delivers. And don't know if he could play a real James Bond, but this character, it works. And <laughs> probably not Peter Sellers' best work, but it, he, he's really good in this film.
3: Um, yeah, (laughs) there was a James Bond toadstool, um, (laughs) and, um, I was actually going to say something, but I can't remember, oh yeah, The Look of Love, can we talk about that now? Um, yeah, just, just Austin Powers, like, I know this movie came out like 30 years before Austin Powers, so Austin Powers ripped it from this, but... Every time I hear that song, I just think of Austin Powers and the spinning bed and just... Yeah. um, Just want to point that out. I really have nothing to say because this is basically the part of the movie where I really have, like, written nothing. Um, I've written here, look of love, Austin Powers. More Austin Powers. Peter Sellers. What's happening? Hello, Sailor Gay. Hitler. I'll show you my strawberry if you show me your apricot. That's all I've written. Um So I really have nothing to add because in the next bit I've written here is Bond' daughter. So i probably miss like 80 minutes of the film before we get to meet his incestuous spawn. So it's next. probably
2: only about 15 minutes, but yeah, you didn't miss a lot. <laughs> um, Yeah, the next scene is the Matabon sequence. So whatever director was doing this one, oh, you really could have done better. And we haven't criticized... This movie enough, but this is the most boring section of the movie. Um, despite the fact that Matta Bond, I mean, looking like his daughter, she looks. I, I was thinking at certain times she looked like uh, Diana Rig almost. So um, more. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna
1: stuff. lie, I genuinely thought it was Diana Freak Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, uh, 1966.
2: So. Until she cut her hair and lost all the looks, though. Um, <laughs> but at, at this point, we find out Bond had an illegitimate daughter with Matt Ahari, the famous spy. Um, Dutch spy, not Indian. And
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna shamelessly admit I didn't know that that was a person.
2: <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know much about her, but I, I'm familiar with the fact there was a well. where
1: they're in India right now? Where are they? They're playing like Kita, like Zitar, Indian stuff. Yeah, <laughs> who
2: knows. But yeah, this girl's got a daddy fetish too. Um, <laughs> uh, which wow, it's just it's one of those things where it's like maybe you could get away with this. I, I would have thought that back in those days you couldn't get away with as much as you can now but some of these things apparently people weren't as offended at in the sixties. So on
1: the time of freedom. Well not really
2: Um There's one funny part where they're talking I guess to one of her servants and Bond saying does he speak English? She goes, Hey Charlie, you speak English and he just goes, No, uh, <laughs> that was funny that was one bit I laughed out loud too. another funny part when she sent on her assignment uh, which again I don't really know what the assignment is but she sent on her assignment so she's now James Bond too where she gets in the cab and she goes uh, take me to Berlin and the driver goes east or west <laughs> she goes west he goes oh that's alright then and then he just drives away which I kind of <laughs> like that joke but the rest of the stuff was so boring her just wandering around this mansion and we have Giant head woman and tiny little man behind her. Uh, I, uh, w- why? It's uh, filmed in this way. It's just endless scenes of her wandering around a weird-looking mansion, and <laughs> eventually we get to the auction where, I guess, we're starting to get some of the plot from the Casino Royale novel, now that we're like an hour or so into it, where Kronstein from Fresh With Love comes back. And he's an auctioneer, and it's supposed to be, I guess, an auction where Le is trying to raise this money he needs before the casino scenes. And there's all these people who you think are bidding on stuff, but it turns out it's just blackmail. And there's this weird, weird scene where every country got the Germans and the Russians and the Americans or whoever it is saying, we will be sitting when we bid, and then we're going to be standing, and we're going to be sitting and kind of standing at the same time. And again, a joke that just goes on forever.
1: (gasps) I, I have to laugh at that though, it did go on, but I thought that was a funny joke, how all the different people were doing different things, I just imagine the auctioneer trying to capture that, and then I love the, the British, well, well, we might do a bit of both actually, yeah, I thought yeah. that was <laughs> kind of funny.
0: Funny
2: line, but I don't understand it. Right. No, I have
1: no idea what they're really going for there, but I
0: laugh.
2: What I do like is when they start the bidding and it starts completely normal and it cuts away from the whole auction bidding of these blackmail photos and eventually just cuts back and then you have the one, uh, I'm guessing he's supposed to be the the communist Chinese general and he just stands up and screams, 70 million tons of rice! And you get somebody else going, 60 million in caviar! It's just this back and forth thing of them bargaining with whatever they have of value. Chase scene starts, which of course all ends with uh, every single section of this movie has to end with the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. And Madda Bond opens up a sewer and we hear What's New Pussycat coming from the inside. <laughs> she closes the lid and the song stops. End of sequence. Again, I just say, what is going on?
1: <laughs> um, I like the What's New Pussycat. That made me laugh. <laughs> <'Cause
0: it's> just... <laughs> what the- I don't get It's say joke.
1: I have no idea what the joke is. Like I don't know if they're going for a Thunderbolt thing or something here, but like yeah, I it's just weird though. i like, I was kinda of, like looking at my phone and I just hear, what you pussy cow what? Um <laughs> Tom Jones, another cameo <laughs> <laughs> I love that I've written in my notes, even though we've established that I've just made this up. Bond in India visiting Matabond. <laughs> like is that true? Was he in India or was I just making this up? Um, but again, another failed joke that could be fixed so easily and could have been funny. They made the joke of, uh, what's her name, Madahari, Was that her name? He says, um, terrible spy, but she was a good dancer. Um, then they talk about Mata Bond. He says, well, uh, terrible dancer, but could be a good spy. Then they go and have a dancing theme that goes on and on and on. And, yes, she's doing a bit of funny or goofy dancing, but she's not even that bad. I would be a worse dancer. This is the opportunity to have this completely bizarro, like, uh, interpretive dance scene of her just going crazy with this horrible dancing, like he says she's a bad dancer. That's what the joke should be. Instead, it's just her hopping around a few times. It just a failed joke that could have been fixed. Um, so, yeah, apparently Meta bond is also going to become a spy. Uh, what was it? It's his... Uh, let's not get into what, what his, her relation is, but she took his name for some reason. Um, and then, yeah, if you, what was the line if you weren't my dad? I would get with you or something, which is just... If you really? were my dad I'd fancy you. Yeah. Who writes that line? Like, who writes that oh this this is Tasmanians. great. That's my Glenorchians. Um Hey, I am in Well Exactly, case in point. Um, uh Yeah, we we didn't mention much about history. I actually seen this film multiple times because um it was on TV in the daytime once, and I recorded like the last two thirds of it on VHS one time. And I did watch it back a few times because it was my only means of watching Bond films when I weren't renting them. Um, I have to say I don't remember anything about this film except for this dance hall scene that he, she goes to, where she shows her around, and there's got that sped up stuff. For some reason, I can remember that. I don't know why, but that's the only time thing I can remember about that. I've probably seen this film 10 times, which shows how memorable it is that I've seen it that many times. Granted, it's probably been 15 years, but, yeah, this is the only scene I remember for some reason. And I didn't actually know it was a parody when I was a kid. And I remember this scene maybe because this is the scene where my brother said, is this movie serious? I think this is a joke film because Hmm. back in the day, how do you know these stuff? Like, how do you know what Casino Royale 67 is? Um, especially when you're, like, six years old. Um, yeah, Why this thing to is... Go
3: Why are you watching it through yeah. the day? Go to school.
1: There's a thing mm. called Saturday and Sunday. I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, you should yeah, try yeah. it one time. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should learn to read so you know what a calendar is. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, this
1: is... Just her dance, uh, showing her around over and over. I have to say, Ronnie Corbett makes a good, uh, like, manservant type thing. I thought he was kind of funny. Um, and I-, I did like the line, who is the And then they reply, nobody knows. Not even La Chief. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, obviously, I'm the only one once again.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. <laughs> as Colin mentioned, this is kind of where they use the novel about the sheaf. We're not going to go into the details of his story because we'll talk about that next film. And we talked about last time. Um, and then this auction thing, which I loved seeing Kronstein back. That was one of my favorite parts of the film. And I did laugh at the stand. We be, we sit, we don't kind of thing. Um, so I thought that was really, uh, I, I like that. And then Ronnie Corbett hits a button and he speeds up and jumps around everywhere. I don't know what's happening there. Um, and then the war in the auction house did you mention that i thought that was kind of funny cuz what does the british guy say on the phone like just uh, just wait a minute mildred or something i'm just in the middle of a war that's broken out or something like, out, yeah. like, i love over the top british stereotype characters um but yeah a huge fan of cronstead in this film i loved seeing that back uh very putin like uh Kronstein, but um and then I'm not sure if I'm jumping ahead here, but Kronstein blown up in a phone box by Le So I wish we had more of him, but alas, he is dead. So I have to say the second half of this film picks up a bit. It's still mental, one of the most craziest films you've ever seen. The first half with the Scottish stuff and Bond's house drags. I have to say, I I kind of get into it a bit in this uh, second half of the film where there's some stuff going on when they get more into the novel anyway. Maybe I'm just crazy.
3: Maybe. Um. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Diana Rig too. Actually, uh, <laughs> there was just yeah dancing. I didn't get it any of it, and then I just lost it with the incest part of it. Whatever. Uh, you saw her nipples too when she was laying on the bed in that <laughs> pink thing. So um, they looked too- very To babe. awesome Wells eyes, those nipples. You know what I was paying attention to? <laughs> I, I did. I did love the bit where it's like, "Do you speak English?" No. <laughs> um, I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. So, did we talk about it when like probably again? I was made to what you were saying. She goes into that room thing, and there's like that giant woman and the man with the battery pack on his nipple. Yeah, giant um, head and tiny man. Yeah, yeah giant that's head and Ronnie tiny... Corbett. I thought he was good. And then when she's ba- she's basically like, "What? I'm the daughter of the Mata How do we know?" She takes off her like jacket, and she's wearing Indian attire. Like, ooh, like that. Yes, India makes her that person. Um, then, I yeah, the whole auction scene. I did. The, I think that's funny. You know, what, what is what do the British people say? Like, well, we might do a bit of both. Like, yeah, a bit of, what are you guys gonna do? <laughs> well, we might do a bit of both actually. And it obviously goes to show how much attention I was paying to not even know that it was Kronstein. But um, are we gonna start singing our songs again about it? I don't know. Um I was calling. Yeah, I, I, yep, yep. That's about it. I've got to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously. This is like the portion of the movie where I honestly am just almost it's learning
1: more from what you guys. Is are this telling the worst this. part? I thought this was some of the best parts of the movie.
2: Well, I, I think the, the when they get to the auction, it picks up. Yeah, but auction. The first not the half of, of it, yeah. And it's sad because I mean, w- when you look at Matabond you want this to be a good section, but <laughs> it really doesn't work out.
3: I I honestly am flicking through bits of this film right now going, I don't remember this bit. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, yep, I'm phoning this episode in, it seems. (laughs) You don't have to be here, Ben. Don't (laughs) I? You can can go to bed if you want, if you've got work early. (laughs) We can talk about the novel after this. Yeah, (laughs) let's talk about books. No, I want to go to the last scene. Can we just skip to the last scene, then I'll go? Last scene. Well, we're about
2: to get to something that... If you have a problem with this Ben, then you have issues. um we're introduced <laughs> to miss good thighs, Ooh. so <laughs> James Bond gets it on with good thighs or whatever um which is really a pointless th- scene, but like James
1: Bond, which one are we talking about <laughs> but James Bond's good thighs, what <laughs> <laughs>
3: Nawa, Nawa, listen
1: to Nawa. Good Thighs, awesome worlds. No, which James? You said James Bond gets it on with Good oh, Thighs. Yeah, I can't remember yeah, which Evelyn, James. Bond.
2: Evelyn Bond. <laughs>
1: yeah, if only Mata Bond.
2: <sighs> yeah, Bond and Good Thighs get it on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> then this film might be worth watching. Uh,
2: I bet you Good Thighs has a daddy thing too, but we don't even need to get into that deleted scene. <laughs> There's a great line here um where they s- basically Evelyn saying he wants to sit opposite this this one would work in a Bond movie until the end part comes on and goes, I wanna sit opposite LaSheep, look him straight in the eye and say and then he goes, Yahoo hee hee <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know what's That's going like on. That's like a there. Ben thing of just inserting farts into bits yeah, of a exactly. time make her funny.
2: <laughs> um But they they were almost on their way to having a great Bond line there. And, uh, yeah, then we get introduced to the great Horson (laughs) Wells. For all of you out there who have been waiting to see the man who wrote, produced, directed, (laughs) and started what is arguably, and most frequently voted, the greatest film in history, do magic tricks on a card table in 1967's Casino Royale, I give you the new Le Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I, i'm just gonna say orson wells playing the chief in a straight casino royale would be a dream casting <laughs> this stuff would not have worked if it hadn't been for him like for a guy who's known for doing very serious movies he kind of made a career i guess for financial reasons of always doing goofy things like this like he did a cameo in the muppets movie and everything and this was kind of his thing. He'd pop up in cameos and whatever somebody would pay him for, he wouldn't care. Bad commercial, bad, you know...
1: There must have been so much bribes in this film to get David Niven, Peter Sellers, and Orson Welles. I,
2: yeah, and as I we're don't know to good see... good
1: guys were offering services or something, <laughs> but they, got, they did something to get these actors.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, with Orson Welles, I am really glad, though, because this stuff, when he performs the magic trick, it's, just, it's a really flat joke that, again, just goes on forever. But then his reaction when everybody starts applauding is just like, thank you, thank you. Like, you really have to see it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You have to see it to get how good Orson Welles' magic man is. Um, There's the moment which Noah will probably talk about the Mathis, the French policeman with a Scottish accent. It worries me too, which uh, Noah has a theory, and some fans can tell us if this actually fits. And. yeah, then the, we we basically we'll cover the entire thing up until I guess Dr. Noah comes back here. <laughs> the casino stuff works. Um we don't know the rules of backrat still. We're two films in. Uh two films and one novel in and we don't know the rules, but this works a lot better than the one in the 1954 Casino Royale. Uh I think even the tension's better. It's not really even played for laughs here. It just works better as a card scene as a climax and you understand that Laschief loses in this one. But of course, like Casino Royale's story, you know, Le Chiffre still has to have his revenge. And uh, Vesper is taken just like we see in the next film we're going to recap. So it's sticking a little bit closer to the novel here. Not close enough that they really were taking advantage of their rights, but they're still doing something with it. And um, th- there's a funny line in here where uh, this is all I wrote. I wish I had the full line. It's like, uh, Would that be a lady with a, or he's basically saying have you seen a lady? And he's like, would that be a lady with a black bag overhead carried by two unsavory <laughs> gentlemen? he goes, maybe.
1: <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that line, but that is a funny line.
2: Yeah, it's good. Right before he chases after. We have the torture scene, which almost is starting exactly like the book. Where we have the <laughs> chair with the whole Yeah. And then I guess they drop some acid and he goes <laughs> on a weird trip. <laughs> Which is not so much funny as it is scary, and I think people from 1967, (laughs) still on that acid trip from 67, are laughing at this point.
1: Cover your eyes, Mildred. (laughs) It'll be over soon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then we get... uh, This is covering a lot of stuff, but it really... We'll save the last bit all for its own. The scene where... I guess part of the torture scene, which so bizarre but kind of funny where we see Peter O'Toole the real Peter O'Toole marching and Evelyn asks are you Richard, or no, what is it we get, it's the other way around, isn't it yeah, we get Peter O'Toole saying, are you Richard Burton to Evelyn Bond and Evelyn Bond goes, no I'm Peter O'Toole, and he says finest man who ever breathed and of course it's the real Peter O'Toole in the scene and then it ends with him basically jiggling his ball sack (laughs) (laughs) Well, why every scene has to end with somebody's pants coming down or, <laughs> or jiggling Peter O'Toole's ball sack, I don't know, but how did they get Peter O'Toole in this year? It's
1: like Again, Lords Good of thighs, Oregon, service. A
2: prime of his career, yeah. Good Thighs had some good thighs to get Peter O'Toole in here. <laughs> I guess it's kind of funny, the whole joke of Peter O'Toole asking somebody else, are you Richard Burton? He goes, no, I'm Peter O'Toole. That's kind of funny. And, I, and then just to tack even more absurdity on the end. After the escape, which of course is the same thing, somebody comes in and assassinates Le Chiffre. Uh We have everything looking like it's fine and Vesper is kidnapped, or is it Matabond was kidnapped. I can't even remember at this point. Matabond's kidnapped. Yeah. Short-haired Matabond, which is why Ben didn't remember her, is kidnapped <laughs> by a knight on horseback, who rides her straight into an unidentified flying object. A flying saucer that takes off.
3: <laughs> Go ahead. I really did not see this film. <laughs> you don't remember the flying saucer that landed down what? on Times Square? You, you oh, see? Not, no, seriously, though I was not I was... paying attention if I could not remember a flying fucking saucer. <laughs> what? That was like the biggest WTF moment of the film.
1: It's a knight on horseback in full armor riding into a flying saucer. <laughs> yeah. How can you miss that bit of all bits? Oh, my god. so am I talking now? <laughs> yeah,
2: go for it.
1: Are we capping it at the knight and the flying saucer? I'm <laughs> trying to find it. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where you started. Uh, good thighs. Just
2: the whole casino bit, yeah. Good thighs in the casino. Yeah, place. good
1: thighs is good because that is something that would happen in Bond, having that goofy, uh, like mm. like Chew Me or Jenny Flex or and. It begins to look like a Bond film. Sellers is looking like Bond at this point. Um, and he's a scene. been
2: really good in the casino scenes, too. Like Let's just say, up until now, he's been a good comical Bond. Those casino yeah. scenes, he is a good James Bond.
1: Maybe he could have been Bond. Not, not He's no Sean Connery as a James Bond character, but maybe he wouldn't have been too bad. Because um, Do he does awesome. good in the casino and the good thighs bit. Uh, did anyone else pick up on the the goof where Sellers is, or Evelyn is there with no glasses on. They cut away to Good Thighs and they cut back and he's wearing glasses. Um, <laughs> no, I'm So sick. big, big production mishap there. Uh, so go back and watch the Good Thighs scene and you'll see that goof of the glasses. But knowing this film, it was probably an intentional thing played for laughs um, because every this had a flying saucer and a knight, so... <laughs> Let's not get hung up on the glasses. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at that now, and um,
2: no, I keep stalling until Ben gets to that moment in the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we didn't mention the the theme song James Bond is playing oh, yeah. at Casino Royale. Which why was that not at the start? I don't understand. Like obviously they weren't at Casino Royale yet. To be honest, I know I laughed at it. I can't actually remember how it went. Like, James Bond is playing. Oh, I'm not yeah, going to trust. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember any of the other lyrics, but um, that was funny, like, because it was so unexpected. But why was that not the theme song rather than that Like, stupid stuff they had? That's Scooby Doo. That's the theme to Scooby Doo.
2: Now Where Scooby-Doo was...
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, call back to the first ever episode. Look how far we've come. <laughs> um, I, I agree. The casino stuff... Oh, I don't know if you said this, but if you did, I agree. Uh, the casino stuff is the best parts of the movie. Orson um, awesome Wells is really good in this film. And yeah, you mentioned Lachif in this. Imagine him in the Casino Royale 54. Not that Frogmouth is bad, but I really enjoy it. he would make a great Bond villain, even if it wasn't um Le Chiffre, Yeah. Which by the way, I'm convinced after like what, three films, one novel, probably one comic book, probably one audio drama, uh uh what what was it called? Audio book. Still convinced no one knows how to say Le Chiffre or Le Chiffre or Le Chiffre. Like Everyone says it completely different throughout the whole 50 years that has been around, 60 years. Um,
2: A bit of a question on that, though. It is such a confusing name, and you know the way that movie productions dumb things down. Why did they never just say, let's call him the Cypher? Wouldn't that have just made it a lot easier for three films?
1: (laughs) Plus, it kind of sounds cool. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, there was like an urban legend going around that they made a Moonraker film or something with Orson Welles in it, which is not true, (laughs) but... He would make a great Hugo Drax from the Moonraker novel, I think. Uh Hello, Ben. Um, So I think that would be really good. (laughs) Novel? those movies with words all over. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I really enjoyed the card game. I won't get too into it, but it's actually kind of entertaining, unlike 54, um, and it goes by... It's weird. This film has overlong scenes, and then the good stuff, the card game, is short, like... I don't get that, Um, not that I'm complaining too much. We have Levitating Woman, and again, this is kind of a a parody of Bond when the man at the hotel says, oh, can I get your signature? Which is, I guess, playing on the fact that... um,
2: He's the most famous secret agent. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so I guess that's one tick that they did a proper James Bond satire. Um, uh, The one bit, and I'm not sure if either of you laughed at it, but it's the one bit that I laughed the most in this entire (laughs) film was they switch out the glasses that obviously chief's wearing the fake glass like that he can see the cards Ursula switches them out and then he puts on the new ones and he's wearing these hilarious like cat like ladies glasses and just awesome worlds looks hilarious in it clearly I'm the only one who laughed at that but that, no, was, no, ah. that was pretty good <laughs> <That bit laughs> Ben's still laugh.
2: watching that part
1: yeah that bit made me laugh more on, than any Scotland. in film Like, I loved it when he put on those glasses. Um, And I think when they say Baccarat, that means they've lost. I think I'm kind of starting to get it after three films. (laughs) I don't know. Um,
3: But he won by saying Baccarat in this one, didn't he? Whereas in the other one, he lost. uh,
1: I don't know. Um,
3: I didn't get it. One thing we didn't...
1: That's what you didn't... (laughs) uh, One thing we didn't bring up is... What was Bond doing or Evelyn doing with the speaking in Indian accents and Japanese accents and saying, like, proverbs at the table? Like, that was just weird. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, other than the fact that I really enjoyed the card stuff and awesome wells is amazing in this film, along with Peter Sellers, they make this film. I wish it was in more of, the, more of it. Um, yeah, the, the thing Colin brought up is Mathis says... Obviously, in Casino Royale, I'm probably misquoting it. He says, what worries me is, Mathis, is that what you're a French investigator with an Italian accent. I'm probably uh, screwing that up. And Mathis replies, so yes, it worries me too. Um, And then in this one, he says to Mathis, who's in like two scenes, you're a French inspector, but you have a Scottish accent. Uh, That worries me. Aye, it worries me to um, the bad Scottish accent. Um, so I'm, I haven't read the book in a while. I'm guessing that line either has to be in the book or Casino Royale 2006 actually took something from Casino Royale 67, <laughs> which blows my mind if that's true. So I think we need to go back and read the book again, but please someone correct us if you're listening and you have read the book. So that was a, a little note. Um, not too much to add on the torture scene other than its whack job nut crazy, I don't know what the hell, like, chair that takes you on a trip um and the bagpipe and Vespa just mowing down the people with the bagpipe gun um, and then the Lachieve getting killed by Smirsh is such a, like, a quick moment, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. there goes Orson uh, he was just starting to get good and then it's like randomly just shot really quickly and then they're out of there but, yeah, that's just the craziest scene in the film. And then, speaking of the craziest scene in the film, a flying saucer lands in Trafalgar Square, and I'm thinking, <laughs> what the... On f- um, my mind, what the fuck is happening right now? Um, It's crazy. I'm thinking, yeah, all right, they're kind of using the novel. A flying saucer lands in the middle of London. Bond runs in, and he's... Uh, Muddy Penny says, Bond, yes, I know an unidentified flying object. A, a knight captures matter in a flying saucer, takes her off, and takes her to Dr. Noah's lair. Like, I get this is Bond parody, but even when you don't know whose flying saucer it is, and then even when you do know, it's crazy <laughs> how Ben missed this scene. A flying saucer <laughs> in the middle of London with a knight stealing Bond's
3: stepdaughter lover. Oh. I'm done. I like the card scene. Thirty two episodes in, and finally we have an apology for the language in this uh podcast. Um thanks, Noah. Um Yeah. I, I just went back and rewatched it. Um I remember seeing something <laughs> flying in the sky and I didn't realise it was a Sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> didn't see all the other bits before it. Um again. You know what's great about this film is that it's making die another day look like uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service. So um... no, it's not.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that.
3: <laughs> Boy can dream. Try. Um, yeah. So why is he doing magic in the casino?
1: Because <laughs> um... Orson Welles doing magic
3: tricks is funny.
1: Well, I guess if there's one place you would do magic tricks, probably would be a casino. But I why guess. is he
3: doing magic? He's listening. Yeah, not.
1: A... <laughs> He's a wizard.
2: Why is oh James Bond banging his daughter?
3: <laughs> like, I'm not gonna watch when we get up to the next film. I'm gonna be like thinking the whole time that is like wiping blood tears <laughs> away whilst at the same time going like <laughs> Pick a card blood any card. T- um, Hold on. <laughs> on. I have a here.
2: I have a really big problem here. Ben has finally just seen a UFO landing here, <laughs> and a knight carrying matter away, and he's like, why is the chief doing a magic trick? This is wrong!
3: Um, I love the fact that Bond's in a race car and he's talking about his Lotus Formula 3. Um, yeah, we'll just... Why? Bro. And why Formula 3? Formula 3 sucks ass. Like, not Formula 3. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to read my notes here. I don't know flying lap. Yeah, exactly. Separate episode. Um, Miss Good Thighs, you've got your cork in your bottle. Um, (laughs) What? I don't know what I've written here. Slimmington Jones? Let's not say gocky. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, goodbye. Let's (laughs) say au revoir. (laughs) It's the same thing. Um... Dancing in fog, tug on kill. Um, I don't know what I've even written here. Yeah, um, is this where Frankenstein comes into it, or we? Am I jumping ahead? Yes. No, uh, you're jumping ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. That's the one thing. But Ben was ready to talk. About. <laughs> oh no, I have written UFO. I've written on my notes here, floating UFO. So I did pay attention. There you go.
1: Floating UFO, even though you UFO is unidentified like, flying
3: object. As, as opposed to those UFOs that you see driving down the street with wheels. <laughs> um...
1: <laughs> well, you laugh about that, but then we get one right in this film when they take it to Dr. Noah's lair.
3: <laughs> is, am I skipping ahead when I'm thinking of stuffed tigers in an... O- or is that in his lair? Yeah, that's skipping ahead. Yeah. Um, and there's cowboys in the casino and the Indians arriving. I'm jumping ahead here. You're uh, jumping uh, far your ahead head. now. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, a UFO! Look! Uh- <laughs> one one joke
1: I don't get, and maybe this is me being dumb. Bond's in a rush because Matt has been taken by aliens Um, and he goes, yes, it's a, it's a UFO. And then a nun comes in and she wants money and she goes, yes, we're raising money for needy girls. Uh, we yeah, make I- a lot of money for needy girls. What? I
2: thought that was supposed to be some reference to Mimi from earlier on but it's not
1: <laughs> To call back to, to Mimi
2: <laughs> well Mimi went off to the convents but yeah it giving really
1: them that about. much credit to have a callback
2: <laughs> is that what it is uh, well I know that's what I thought but it clearly isn't because it has nothing to do
3: with Mimi
1: like why does a nun come in and say we're raising money for needy girls we make a lot of money for needy girls
3: and leave did, did anyone here used to watch the Drew Carey show with Mimi Remember that? That was yeah. good years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Almost <laughs> as bizarre as this.
3: Thought, thought about uh, maybe, maybe that was a sixties joke
1: about nuns or something, or maybe I'm just dumb, I don't know. Flying. A well, well, I'm like the British, this, a bit of both.
2: After this we get to the one part Ben wants to talk about, <laughs> the entire climax, which just a bit climax. The novel is a stuff at the T
1: V. Yeah, climax short
2: of, <laughs> short of one moment, um, in the climax there's a... <laughs> There's really nothing at this point that has anything to do with the novel anymore. The novel's over, minus one part yeah. that's still... The
1: novel off. was 15 minutes of this film.
2: It really was, which is, again, it's kind of frustrating because I think the whole idea is that Feldman had the rights to Casino Royale. And he, you, the thing is, under any type of law, you can make a parody of something and not get sued. He could have done a parody of James Bond movies. He didn't really make a parody of James Bond movies. He could have done just a spy comedy and not had to worry about the rights and he didn't do that he chose to use only 15 minutes of a novel where the rest of the movie has nothing to do with it he didn't need the rights to do this it, d- it doesn't make sense but on to the climax Climax. Uh, yeah so they go after the UFO and back to Casino Royale there's an underground lair which uh, they go through a room with like said, a bunch of tigers this is the Feldman animal fetish or whatever it is. He has, uh, well, there's a line later on about pull the tiger's tongue or something like that. I don't even know. And they get to the underground layer where we now find the real villain of the whole story. The man behind this, I guess he is the Blofeld, uh, or the Mr. White or something. It's Woody Allen back. He's actually James Bond. Nephew is Dr. Noah. I did have a callback. Um, yeah. Noah's Noah's done proud with his nickname now. And, uh, Mm. they're in the smirsch layer so i guess this is smirsch a bunch of french soviets or something there's this bizarre scene where we're introduced to dr noah and bond is explaining you know about him and for whatever reason woody allen is miming this entire scene which (laughs) leads uh is it supposed to be money penny he's with here i lost track of who was with him in the sequence
1: isn't it mad bond
2: it might be it's somebody but she basically comments, Do you suppose he's a junkie just when watching him miming everything?
1: <laughs> oh, um, I like that. Yeah, oh, me- wait. Well, wasn't Money Penny who he brought along with him?
2: I think it was Money Penny here because I would have noticed Madabon with the short hair.
1: Uh, I'm watching it now and it is Money Penny. Those okay. eyes, I can tell.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Money don't Penny you two pay attention you suppose- to this film? Everyone knows that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. So basically, I mean, I have very few notes. I only have a few more lines from this point on of notes. Uh, But it just perfectly describes the absurdity of the ending here. Bond escapes with the assistance of Frankenstein's monster, (laughs) which, of course, is played by future Darth Vader, David Prowse, as we learned.
1: That's cool. Why is
2: Frankenstein there all of a sudden? I don't know, but Frankenstein helps him escape by walking into a door. Why not? And, uh... We have the one moment of the novel that still has relevance here where it tur- turns out Vesper really is bad and she turns on them. And this, uh, I'm not even going to say evolves, this devolves into a climax filled Bonnet. with <laughs> basically Woody Allen's character wanted this plan to we- we've completely forgot there's another character here, the Detainer who was introduced around the time of Coop and they both come back and I don't know why they were there in the first place or gone, but He reveals the plan to her that he wants to set off something that's going to make every woman in the world beautiful and every man in the world shorter than he is. So basically his entire plan is just to make himself the sexiest man alive. Woody Allen. Um, (laughs) He accidentally swallows a pill that's going to blow up himself and whatever else. And we have the madness climax here with cowboys and Indians. (laughs) Seals dancing on a tabletop and a monkey licking a table. And it all ends with them all dying, all of the James Bonds in heaven, and then poor Dr. Noah sitting in hell. The end of Casino Royale 67. Ladies wow. and gentlemen, uh please help us make sense of this. I don't know what's going on. I still don't. This is, we kept saying like the most bizarre scene ever, but when the monkey started licking the table, I, I, I I literally had my jaw drop. I had no clue what I was watching. And I don't even know if it's a real monkey or a man in a monkey mask, but why it's there, I don't know. And seals dead doing tabletop dancing. Like, Oh, it's so bizarre, but this is, it's kind of funny in a way.
1: I'm now convinced that those six directors were all pseudonyms um, for Kevin <laughs> McClory. It, it is the only answer. <laughs> That's the only thing we can make sense of. They're all acronyms. Those six directors equal Kevin McClory. It well, must what's be. what's his name
3: from Die Another Day?
2: Lee Tavahori. Um, That's the guy?
1: Lee, I'm a girl. Hello, cop. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Tamagotchi, he would fit straight into this film. I tell you what, um, he tended to into yes. a series. So I think, <laughs> I think we could say blame Kevin McClory for this because it, it is his fault. Um, if anything, he suggested they have a UFO. Um, yeah, so Bond goes to Dr. Noah's lair after the UFO and Frankenstein's there. Um, <laughs> once we're at the UFO. Frankenstein doesn't bother me because <laughs> there was a UFO landing <laughs> in London. Um, we should say Frankenstein's monster as well. We want to be accurate. Um, yes. The first thing we want to do in this film is be accurate. God <laughs> they're not accurate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's kind of funny that Dr. Noah, who, which I hate that character name. Um, I was just bitching like two weeks ago how there's no characters with my name in... Cinema and TV And then we watch this And we've got the evil villain Dr. Noah um, Stealing my username um, And then he has an army of David Nivens as well Did we mention that? Um, yeah, I don't have too much to add on this bit To be honest um, Dr. Noah is a decent, funny I guess the plan is dumb But I guess it is supposed to satire a Stupid Bond parody yeah. uh, Stupid Bond plans so I don't
2: this think. Is, sorry, I didn't interrupt. I was just going to say this is the one segment of the movie that actually feels like a parody of Bond and not yeah. just some weird comedy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. So I don't think we should get too off the rails with, oh, this stupid playing, because I do think this is one bit that was supposed to satire and still falls flat, but does work better than most of the movie as a Bond satire. Um, again, yeah, he's called Jimmy Bond. What's with the thing, like, he's shy around his uncle or something and he can't talk?
0: Like He minds
1: everything. <laughs> like, why can't he talk around his uncle? That's just... D- does he want to get with him too? If you weren't my uncle, I would get with you. <laughs> um, I would
2: put it past this
1: movie. <laughs> yeah. But Woody Allen is great. He is, uh, again, famous actor. Um, the cl- climax um, after the Frankenstein monster, which I've literally had nothing more to add on. Frankenstein's monster shows up out of nowhere, helps them escape. Um, we have the army of women. Um, we have Dr. Noah playing piano for some reason. And he. I like when he has the woman tied up. He, I want to be the ruler of the earth. You can be my co-ruler. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but you said you didn't like me before. Well, I've was. I changed my mind. I want to be co-ruler. That was kind of funny. Um yeah, the the climax, um, it's trying very hard to be like a Mel Brooks film or something like that. But at the same time, it is probably the best part of the film just because of how psycho and mental it is that you can laugh at it. The Indians parachuting out of planes to come and help and here comes the Americans. They cut to like an old Western <laughs> clip like it, <laughs> It's very and but is that
3: the one where they like call the cops and you see like that cop character? Yeah, the Keystone like, like, Cops are yeah, cops. <laughs> yeah,
1: so this scene, I feel like they could have done more over-the-top gags here, but what they do do for the most do do, um, what they do, <laughs> <laughs> leave it alone, Ben. <laughs> what they do do for the most part.
0: Was- <laughs> <laughs> for the party,
1: oh my god this is how far we've come for the most part it works um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was that you,
2: you, Ben just snorted up a bunch of coke to understand
1: the. he's joining the party
0: I have cheese rolling down my face <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so we got Doodoo and Bond uh, Ben doing coke. Um, um, so yeah, this climax they could have done <laughs> more, but <laughs> for the most part, who who would know that Doodoo is Ben's breaking point? Uh, <laughs> All right, focus, focus. You uh, must so get the, your
0: tits out, it was
1: For <laughs> <laughs> so the most part, all this works because of how silly it is. Uh, I love, yeah, here comes the Americans. Cut the clip of an American cowboy film. Um, cowboys and Indians fighting each other, bomb with a weird, like, a stair gun thing. Um Just so much going on. This would have been a nightmare to choreograph. Not that they probably did. They probably just said, oh, everyone fight and we'll film. Um, Yeah, a seal and a monkey. Um, The French are in there. I have to say, when the Indians were dancing at the end to the main theme, that was probably the bit where I laughed the more than any other bit of the film. I thought that was hilarious that randomly out of nowhere, the Indians start dancing to the theme of the film. (laughs) Like, okay. And then... The building blows up and every single person dies in the entire film. Uh, how fun. And then the singing in heaven is also quite funny with the main theme of the James Bond's Casino Royale. Um, so I really enjoy the climax. Again, more of a failed Mel Brooks film, but it, it's funny. The Indians and the cowboys, it's all funny and it's one of the only bits that works in the film. And we also did mention the Goldfinger girls are in there as well. There's multiple... People dressed up as uh, Jill Masterson, so there's that. But, yeah, the end of Casino oh, R.O., James Botton, David Niver won't return ever. That sucked. Um, good good climax and UFO uh, Indian Frankenstein ending. Go, Ben, with your doo-doo comments. I'm done.
3: No, Dr. Noah out. I've sat here for like an hour and 40 minutes just to talk about this one scene. Um This is brilliant. This is like, this makes the film worth watching to watch this last bit. I was, I was cacking myself watching this last bit. Like, of course,
2: now you're high as a kite. Of course you were.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's like the roulette wheel thing spinning around like a a UFO again, UFO references. (laughs) The whole cowboys and Indian thing's hilarious. Like, why not cowboys? Oh, we're just going to have Indians skydiving in. Why not? Um, and just Woody Allen, Dr. Noah, and he's like, well, have got the hiccups and you've got these weird blue smokes. <laughs> <Ew. laughs> The seals, I fucking love the seals. Not only the one that's got like the 007 that's like going, but the two that are like on the bar that are just fighting and ripping shit into. Like, why? It's so. Why are the seals there? Like, what the fuck? Um, why is there a monkey licking a table with a wig on? Um.
1: And doesn't the seal w- have a 007 thing or something?
3: Yes. Yes. And then, like, there's a bit there with David Niven and he's got that guy and he's, like, shaking his hands and every now and then he punches someone and then he shakes his hand and punches punching someone. And who's that, like, guard person? And he's like, do you speak French? And he's all like, oh, no. And then he, like, reads a guidebook just to say something they've already said. It's just, oh, it's, it's so funny. And I just, I have no idea why. This is, like, the cheesiest, dumbest part of the whole thing, but I just lose it when I see it. That guy just walks in and he's like... I've been framed. This gun shoots backwards. I've just killed myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even funny. (laughs) I didn't even know how to write that in my notes. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then he's got that random, like, the gold bit where he presses a button and it just goes around in a circle and kills everyone and... You've got the guy with the bloody pole with fire, and like Colin's like praying that he just like lights everyone on oh. fire, and
2: I was just waiting for it; it never happened.
3: <laughs> and then the whole thing concludes with like, "Boom!" Dead the royal. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most fucked up shit ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then the credits—you've got like, like them winking at the camera, and ah, uh, it's trying, no fish. Uh, I am. could have yeah, it been a fish. This again, influenced by this movie, "License to Kill." Um, oh my god, seriously, this is just. Oh, I want whatever they're having because this is just some whacked up shit.
2: Well, we heard the snort. You, I think we just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's Casino Royale sixty-seven. Yay. Uh, I want to do our rankings first, our unofficial rankings here first, because I think this podcast has changed my opinion. But let's throw to the <laughs> intro here.
0: Ranking,
1: ranking, baby. That was it. We're not doing sixties intros this no. time. Huh? All I heard was no. the normal one.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I would it's so weird because watching this movie yesterday it was painful to get through and I was kind of flip flopping. I think Casino Rail 54 is solid enough that that retains my top spot, but I would have been flip flopping between this and never say never again to see which one was worse uh, and which one was more painful to get through. But talking about this has made me realize that this is the type of movie that if we had been watching this in a group together, This would have been the most fun I think we had, even including some of the recent Pierce Brosnan's. This would be a great movie to watch with another person where you could just be like, what did I just watch? Watching it on your own does hurt. But for the reason that this is kind of more fun to make fun of, uh, and then there are some genuinely good moments in there, like... Peter Sellers is fantastic in this, and he's not even playing it as over-the-top and comical as he usually is. It's kind of more the straight man of the movie, which is odd. David Niven's good in it. Ursula Andress, I mean, she's back. She doesn't need to do much. It's Ursula Andress. And, yeah, there's lots of good uh, cameos in there and everything. And uh, as we said, the the Bond girls are fantastic in this, and they actually get some good things to do. I mean, Money Penny is quite involved in this. But overall, it's just it, it. would be a riot to watch in a group, or this would be one of those midnight movies where you just get uh, you know this wild. Well, group someone
1: together. has to live in Canada.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> We're gonna have to be born over there.
1: But <laughs> we'll get you on Skype while we sit on the couch. We could put you on the pouf in bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we one, this movie made me want to do commentaries
2: one day to james bond movies (laughs) so for that reason i'll put this number two it is not casino royale 54 but it is definitely more fun to watch than never say never again
1: wow um it's just we're ranking these three films Uh, (laughs) uh, yeah you made some good points this was a barrel of fun and yeah if you watched it with someone um It could be good, Uh, it was a very depressing thing to watch this morning Uh, (laughs) um, Not a good way to start the day But uh, I'm just battling because the good points that you make Yeah, there's some really whack job and funny bits to make fun of But at the same time we glossed over the 20 minutes they stayed here And the 10 minutes they stayed here and the failed joke here. Um, So there are some genuinely great stuff to make fun of, even though I'm not sure that's what they were going for. I think they were trying to make a serious comedy film. um, Failed. But, again, the cast is phenomenal as well. Peter Sellers is a good Bond. I'll just say it here. Um, David Niven is good in the film, and Woody Allen and Orson Welles is an amazing villain. Um, And Ursula is great as well, and... Money Penny, whatever the actress's name is, and Dennis and Cronstein and uh Vader—they're all great. Um, but this is a terrible film. This is one of the worst films ever made. That being said, I don't think I'd ever rewatch this film unless we were watching it in a group or we were doing a commentary. Then I, I agree with you. I could see that being quite fun, actually. But I think I found more redeeming things in Never Say Never Again, even if this was more fun to make fun of, because Never Say Never Again at least had some okay bits in it and some okay characters. So I think I'm going to have to put this last because even though this podcast was a barrel of fun, I think watching it didn't have great memories attached to having to sit through two hours. If this film was 90 minutes then maybe I think, it will probably definitely it would be Never Say Never Again, but the fact this was two hours and ten minutes, like it would be up there with some of the longest Bond films. It's just, it was too much and too absurd. But I have to say, I did enjoy doing this one though. Um, Crazy film, don't know if I'll ever watch that again.
3: So where did you rank it? Third. Third,
1: right, sorry. But
3: it's a toss up though, really. Oh boy. Um... <laughs> well, you didn't
1: watch the film, so you're still on two films.
3: <laughs> I watched forty three percent of it, half of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, like, because I'm kind of, oh. yeah, I didn't pay attention to half of it, but I, I agree with what Colin said. It- it's, I mean, I could just imagine this would like be a great drinking game, like playing this. Like we'd be fucking tanked within ten minutes of this episode, of uh, this movie. Um, but having said that, as much as I ripped shit into Never Say Never Again, at least I made my way through it and didn't sort of like go, oh, I don't know what's happening here, what's going on, blah, 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 blah. It was just a piece of pile of dog shit. Um, and like the finale of this film's fantastic, but I guess I kind of can't rank this second because I didn't really pay attention to the majority of it and... Yeah, isn't it weird how we're all just putting Casino Royale 54 at number one? Like, a 50-minute episode of Climax is the greatest non-official James <laughs> Bond film in the history of... It's not even a film, it's a TV episode! So <laughs> yeah, um,
1: that was unexpected if you asked me that a month ago.
3: <laughs> and what else is unexpected is the fact that I'm not having Never Say Never Again last. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Casino Royale third and put Never Say Never Again in second. Wow. Um, but... Maybe one time when Colin comes to Australia I'll pay attention and watch this film and uh, probably be drunk halfway through it anyway. I think and if high. we
2: do if we do ever get around to doing our commentaries on this, I, I guarantee your rankings will change.
1: Sounds like a fun fun thing to do, but then when we got to actually oh alright, let's
3: pick a film to do commentaries on. No, we are not doing
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I, I think This would be where, one of
2: my first choices.
3: I think this would be where that random hat idea came into it. Or we originally thought with episodes, we'll just randomly choose a film out of a hat at the end of each episode. Oh, okay, we'll recap that one next. We'll do that with commentaries. Yeah, this gets drawn first. And never say never again. I'm sick that day.
2: <laughs> I still say it would be a blast to
1: watch. Uh, it would be fun, but maybe I we think could it would, cut half of I'd it. Be,
2: yeah, this episode makes it like it's very it's it's a lot to take in the movie. And I think that's one of the problems. And there's so much stuff that you guys brought up where I missed it during the movie and you're like, "Oh, I love this part." And that's one of the interesting things about this is I think it's not that I want to rewatch this cuz it is like a terrible movie at times, but it's almost intriguing to watch it again because you're like, "Well, how much of this stuff did I it miss?" And what would it be like going on. Yeah, I would love to see if there was somebody who just knows this movie by heart, whether they liked it or not, has seen it enough times, if this is something that improves on, you know, multiple viewings. So I'd like to hear that opinion if anybody out there has it. Just
3: just go but contact for now, your local gonna... friendly ice addict and they'll help you through
2: <laughs> <laughs> how many of How many of uh, us have relatives that grew up in the 60s that we can ask? Uh... My parents. <laughs> well, did they watch Casino Royale? Were they big... Acid trippers? I don't know. <laughs> well,
3: my mum would have they been seven, are. and my dad would have been six, so yes. Well, it's never too <laughs> early. She had to get started. It was the 60s. Yeah, you had that mom, with your, like, baby my mom bottle. Was,
2: uh, my mum was seven at this point, so I don't think she was dropping
1: acid to David Divin. Oh, your mum's as son. My mom. dad was three, and he loved cocaine. <laughs> still does. My mum was minus six or something.
2: Uh, um, your dad was following the
1: projectionist home after watching
2: this movie.
1: <laughs> Hashtag in <enjoy. laughs>
2: But let's move on from the rankings and let's get to...
1: the Kiss, kiss, bang,
2: bang. We're not even... Good. Can we even say... Do we, there's no point doing a kiss, kiss, bang, bang count because I have no clue what's going on in this movie. Oh, I didn't. Though. Did you? Okay. Well, no, did no, you right. want to just give us a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang count? Because oh, which James Bonds are you doing. counting?
1: I counted the real James Bond.
2: Like David Niven? Yeah. Okay.
3: Oh, Go did you it. guys not do it?
2: Um, no, I, I don't know how I was going to.
3: I wrote one in the opening bit or whenever it was, and then after that I didn't do anything. Well,
1: actually, I counted Evelyn and...
3: Okay. Um... Just give us some numbers.
1: We I have Zero f- martinis. Evelyn had two Bond James Bonds. Um, David Niven had zero bangs. Oh, kisses, if I believe that's right. Uh, I think Coop had one. I'm not, did Evelyn have one?
3: Well, not, he had Russell Andrus.
1: Yeah, so he had one. So I guess if you so count Coop one? and Evelyn, it would be two.
3: So hang on, what do we count? Ca- what? Hang on, what bond are we counting? We're counting all bonds, it's two. Oh, yeah, so- we'll count all bonds. Alright, oh, so hang on. There were two bonds, James Bonds, no Martini's. How many sexes? Uh,
1: two. Then this two. is probably wrong. And then killed. Did Evelyn or Coop or Matter kill anyone? I don't think so. No. Yeah. So for David Niven, he killed fourteen people in this film. Okay. Well, there we go. We
2: got fourteen counts.
1: Yeah, well, he killed twelve at the very end of it with, oh, okay. he, with his like stare gun thing. At the very, I had to slow it down to double slow speed to get it. But he killed twelve. You know
2: what's uh, you know what's amazing about that? What? That's like? exactly the count I got. That's our official count. <laughs> yes. Really? It's, oh it's my god, me match. too. We got a match. Ben didn't even watch the movie, and he somehow got the
3: same I numbers. just had a feeling. I felt it. It must
1: be that acid, the superpowers.
3: <laughs> so the. The Card sense, Colin Hilden. The unofficial <laughs> count comes to a close then, um, until that 2016 remake of Canadian. Casino Royale 1967, starring. Well, is the
2: Canadian Russia for Euros only coming up? For. Yeah. That's true,
3: right? I was going to say starring like Rob Schneider or something like that, but um, uh, 21 kills seven. Bucks uh two Martinis and we apologise for the language on this episode. And three Bond, James Bond, and Evelyn, one UFO Bonds, James Bonds, Evelyn Bonds
1: Frankenstein monster. Yeah.
3: Still no death by piss in this movie though. <laughs> yeah, that would have yeah. fit
1: right in
2: <laughs> Um let's move on to the whole thing <laughs> it's the whole thing the hall with the classic scene. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of shame. <laughs> so, the hall where of do fame. we start? I just uh, want to say, I had an instant <laughs> pick back one. when David Niven was in the bubble bath with the 17-year-old daughter.
1: Oh, okay. um, so what do we type, about the pedo? Sure.
2: Well, no, I just say Bond's bubble bath with M's daughter. Um, <laughs>
1: Well it wasn't his real daughter.
2: Yeah, well Bond's we Buttercup, bath.
1: that was her name. Let's buttercup, use her real name. Yeah. Let's just Bond's not bubble bath her name buttercup with child. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, well unless I just wrote Buttercup <laughs> in my notes. Bond has a bath <laughs> with BB.
2: Tell me, did you Oh, by the way, if, did you say that was Buttercup?
1: I think so. Oh, I've got that in my notes.
2: If that's her name, that that actress, Angela Skalar, appears in Honor Majesty's Secret Service playing Ruby.
1: Oh, oh my god! I think I remember Ruby in this film, but I don't think Ruby was Buttercup.
3: Build me up.
2: No, wait, Uh, it is. I'm looking at the screenshot right now. It looks like that's her. She's got the bubble bath on her head.
1: I thought Ruby was one of the different characters in this film because I didn't know she was in this film. Um, A knight riding in in the middle of London, Trafalgar Square, with a UFO to kidnap Bonds. Adopted yes. daughter lover is in the hollow
3: Okay, I'm just going to type UFO.
1: <laughs> no, it has to be a night in the middle and a fine UFO. And the um,
3: final battle sequence. I guess so. Um, you
2: could just put it as cowboys, Indians, seals, monkeys. Yeah, right. Hang
3: on. And then heaven and hell. Cowboys, Indians... Seals, monkeys. Even that,
1: Bond with his pants down headings, as uh, Mimi goes to the other side.
2: So we have Bond bathes Buttercup. We have <laughs> uh, the the a UFO. The knight on horseback riding into a UFO, and then cowboys, <laughs> Indians, seals, cowboys, uh, <laughs> seals, monkeys, heaven and hell.
1: I Tales would actually. I would like to have the auction scene in there, but I'm not debating the the Hall of Shame for this film. so yeah, I like
3: one second we're all like, oh, silly, silly, and then we're like, oh no, but the auction, Now I fucking unpunished. Well, if it was a serious
1: hall of, if fame, it was a hall of Fame. If it was Hall of Fame and not Hall of Shame, we'd have the auction scene, the card scene, and the climax. But this is the Hall of Shame, don't be silly. Yeah.
3: Or do be silly. Or do be silly, yes, you're right.
1: I don't
2: know if we have any comments from Peter Travers. Wow! Uh, oh, did you have dig you up any box office, ben? box
3: office stuff? Ben. Um, according to boxofficemojo.com, this movie was made and it has no statistics <laughs> about how much it earned.
2: Well, I can find... There's another website if you give me a minute. I can well, find something.
3: We joke, but this is
1: something we should really discuss because, again, we didn't really discuss much that this was going up against... You Only Live Twice. This is The Battle of the Bonds Part 1. We probably should have talked more about that because there is a rumour that part of why Connery, well, something I've heard is part of why Connery uh, left Bond, one of the reasons was because this was getting better reviews than what You Only Live Twice got, and he thought Bond had come so far and so bad that a parody film getting better reviews is time for him to leave. I'm not sure how true that is. but
3: Are, are you sure it got better reviews? I'm reading some of the reviews here and none of them are positive. Well, well I maybe will Maybe better in the
1: box office or good in the box office or something.
2: I also know that at the time I started getting really into Bond, you know, let's say like early 2000s, I remember looking at IMDb and the rating for this was like 6.7 or something like that. And now it's at a 5.2 at the time of recording this. So I think there was a generation that got this movie that's starting to slowly die off from their cocaine addictions right now. (laughs)
3: 29% rating. I miss you, Mildred. 29% rating on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: Yeah, but how many of those are recent ratings too? (laughs) Yeah,
3: how many of them are from Mildred from 1967? Oh, actually... I I do have
2: some box office here, though.
3: I just want to quickly say, uh, once I've finished recording this episode, I'm heading out to buy it on LaserDisc. Um, It was released in 1994 Ooh.
2: Well, I don't know if there's any special features Because I don't actually own this movie But if there are, I'd be interested to see How did you
3: watch it then, Colin?
2: Um I borrowed your copy, Ben Don't you remember?
3: I do, Colin The copy I borrowed (laughs) off Noah
2: But of course that copy had no special features And if it did, we just happened to miss it I
1: downloaded it
2: (laughs) (laughs) Shh! I have some box office here. Um, it didn't do that terribly.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Is it maybe didn't beat you only twice because Bomb was massive, but it didn't do bad. Is the point we should get across?
2: Box office, it made worldwide oh, forty oh, We want to do the, the no nice. and
1: not Peter Travers because even he's sad enough to not watch these.
2: There you go. <laughs> New theme for this episode. <laughs> I'm not anything that, that um, we just heard that. Can we just make that the Die Another Day one too? Just forget what Peter Travers said about that
1: movie. You mean Anyways, we play
0: box No. Oh.
1: Was that James Bond at Casino Royale?
2: <laughs> James Bond plays at Casino Royale. <laughs> well, that's the new theme for the intro of our next episode, now that I said it. <laughs> That's why I never sing on this show. Oh, okay, not the hard one. Um ninth place worldwide in 1967, 41.7 million. You Only Live Twice made 111 million that year. Um, it was outgrossed by To Sir With Love, The Dirty Dozen, Valley of the Dolls, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, Bonnie and Clyde, You Only Live Twice, The Graduate and The Jungle Book. Every movie that outgrossed this has been considered a classic. Yeah, that, that is good. <laughs> yeah. So One of the movies below it. <laughs> the movies below it are... Uh, Thoroughly modern Millie. Um, <laughs> that. That's Mildred's only Star <laughs> of show! I actually heard of that. Camelot, um, in film, A Guilt, uh, something oh, in French, course. I guess. The Born Losers and Best Picture winner Born in the losers. Heat of the Night. That was the prequel to the Born legos <laughs>
3: <laughs> Born Losers was a biopic pick almost, of me.
2: This made almost twice as much money as the Academy Award winner for Best Picture that year in the Heat of the Night. Yeah, so, at least was so nominated
3: for an Academy Award.
1: That's the thing yeah. we need to stress that this, even though we're laughing at it, it wasn't a failure. Um, yeah. And Ben, you're a big collector. Uh, you can get the, the soundtrack to this
3: film. <laughs> and if I ever come back to your house, it will be destroyed. But uh, I like I'd rather, house. I'd rather buy the soundtrack to this film than never say never again. No It it
1: says here Original stereo vinyl release of the soundtrack Is still highly sought after by audiophiles Can can you get it on Laserdisc? uh, Yes Uh, Audiophile That sounds a bit wrong Um, But Yeah you really would have that theme of the duh, 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 duh. However it it's goes It's better than
3: never say never again What was that scoop Also
2: say though I would rather listen to James Bond plays at Casino Royale yes, than Never Say I Never I that song
3: though. Though. No, I really do like that never song say, never again. Yeah
2: I think the biggest problem with the soundtrack we're going to make a complaint is just that they use the exact same theme over and over again Yeah <laughs> du- du- which you're going to be hearing in about Ugh. four minutes here, but we can move on. Cause now we can give our official preview for 2006. I'm not going to call it a re- reboot of James Bond, but this film. remake of the 1967 <laughs> film in production, Casino Royale. Um I'm even more excited to watch this movie now after watching these last <laughs> two, uh, I think for one thing, the story has always been solid and, The one interesting thing is coming off of this movie and the 54 one, I have to say it makes me really glad that these movies were made going forward. Because as you said, there was an attempt to get Broccoli and Saltzman on board with producing Casino Royale along with Feldman, kind of like they did with Thunderball. And I guess maybe because of the experiences they had with McClory, they didn't want to do that. Had they done that, we probably would have gotten a lazy Casino Royale effort somewhere in the late 60s, early 70s this would have been relegated to a Roger Moore and it would have included nothing from the movie or nothing from the book at all. And the fact that these movies were made like the, the TV show so long before bond and making it American. And the fact that this was done just as a complete farce, it made for casino Royale 2006 to be something special. And when they finally got the rights back, which of course has more to do with the fact that this movie was owned by MGM and MGM bought out uh, United artists or whatever so I don't know if that had something to do with it, but the casino Royale rights going back, it happened just at the right time. Just when die another day took it too far. They needed a reboot. Casino Royale was the movie that they always wanted the rights to, but I guess would agree to it too late. And had this movie been made serious, I don't think we ever get 2006 casino Royale. And if we do, it's not done as faithfully as it was. So for that reason, I'm excited. And, I'm really pumped to talk about the 2006 one now because we've talked about the story and we've talked about Lachif, and now we get to the real deal.
1: Yeah, I'm getting a bit freaking sick of Lachif and uh, Vesper and Mathis at this point. Um, and that freaking James Bond. Um, yeah, you're completely right. That's part of the reason why Casino Royale 2006 is such a special film and why it's one of the most iconic also. Another reason is because it's a freaking good film, but um, it was a very long time coming and it was a big deal when it finally got here. Um, I was against doing these ones first. Kind of glad we have done them now and I do think it was important for us to do them because they do have a lot of context to the history of the James Bond franchise Um, and I think found it a treat to go back and watch them at least the the 50s one because that was really something different. Um, but I still think it's important. Like, I saw Cable bitching on Facebook. Oh, why are you watching that? Like It's important to watch, I think. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever see it again, but I'm glad I did watch it. Um, and you do see traces of the plot. It's not like this was a parody film and they didn't use the plot at all. So we're going to be watching the same plot three times in a row and just as... As film geeks, I guess it's interesting to watch how the same plot is done in three different, completely different ways on a TV movie in the 50s, a uh, parody satire attempted film in the 60s, and then a rebooted of a beloved franchise in 2006s. Um, so it's been an interesting thing to do, and we'll never get to do anything like that with it again. Um, So I'm definitely looking forward to getting to the Daniel Craigs, um, especially Casino Royale. I think I've already talked about it, so I won't dwell on it too much. But I do want to say I'm glad we did these ones, and it's just going to make it all the more fun and all the more interesting to watch 2006 Casino Royale as well um, because there are so many adaptations. And maybe we'll even read the novel again. There you go, some homework for you, Ben. Um, So... (laughs) <laughs> Not sad, but we're over with this. But I'm glad that we did it. It was fun.
3: Bring it yeah, on. I, th- I think gave a bit of thoughts on on Center Royale at the end of Dine of the Day. Um, yeah, I kind of agree. It's good that we've done these. Because um, it probably would have been a bit flat had we done them right at the end. Um, so yeah. I guess it kind Don't of gives us something to, to look forward to. And... Um, yeah, as I mentioned at the end of Die Another Day, Indifferent on the Craig films, we'll get to that. But look, Casino Royale, it's it's a great film. And, you know, it was interesting, I remember, in the lead-up to seeing it in the movies, um, you know, the whole Daniel Craig is not Bond situation and kind of knowing, you know, that it was a reboot. But I, I kind of remember sort of when I talked about Die Another Day, reading a lot of things in the lead-up to it and knowing the, you know... Songs and trailers and all that sort of stuff. I think with Casino Royale, I wasn't kind of... I went into it a little bit less than I did with Die Another Day. And it's probably the, the least out of all the Bond films in the last 10, 15 years that I've kind of gone into it. Because I don't know if I did that because I wanted to be a bit sort of surprised at how it turned out. Because, you know, hearing that it was a reboot, like, what are they going to do? And I kind of remember going into it, still expecting there to be all these, you know, Bond films moments you know the gun barrel the you know the one-liners the cue, and all this sort of stuff even though it was a reboot and you know leaving the cinema like bitterly disappointed that the majority of these were missing but still enjoying it as a film um and yeah it's just going to be very fascinating to talk about this and having had all this context with all these uh, extra Casino hours. All I need to do now is read the book. And uh, let's be honest, that's not going to happen before 2018. So, um, yeah, exciting. Let's-
2: You're still in the beginner stage of reading. We understand. <laughs> Royale,
3: let's, um, let's go out and get the bleach and dye our hair blonde and add ourselves <laughs> up and shave our chests and get broody and swagger around a little bit because we've got a few films to come with no smiling and no Bond tropes so yay and dead women
2: <laughs> yes well one I mean, <laughs> oh, maybe two i guess two Three. well that's it ladies and gentlemen thank you for sticking with us for over two hours to talk about a movie that it takes about 20 hours to understand uh we and did a
1: decent job of it
2: yeah i think we did yeah um i i definitely understand it more now that you guys are filling me in on the bits that i missed <laughs> along the way but
1: uh, that's it. It's this guy's or... business. It's not worth it at all. I was thinking that, but I didn't yeah. want to say it because I would have been a douche if I said it. Well, I'll take the credit Thanks if for it's the given it to me. But... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you for your insightful commentary on the first half of the movie that you
1: watched. I provided the support. Hey, you watched the end too? Yes, yeah.
2: But uh, that's it, and we'll be back very soon for some decent movies. And uh, until then, I am Colin, and a gross just blew my toupee off.
1: <laughs> I'm Dr. Noah, and I am taking that name, so screw you, Woody Allen. Continue forming. Thank you. My name is Ben,
3: and
0: huh? Hey, <laughs> 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 uh, Bon. Jens. <clears throat> bon. Name is familiar stands on his head a lot. It's royal jelly That's his intestines down and washes them by hand.
3: You can't shoot me. I, uh, I, I have a very low threshold of death. Uh, my, my doctor says I can't have bullets enter my body at any time. I'm testing the temperature of the water, as I always did for my daddy. He used to call me his little thermometer. <laughs>
0: Just how personal is a toupee? It can only be regarded as a heirloom. And when I go into that casino tonight, I'm going to sit down opposite the look him straight in the Ah, eye, and say... It's getting very cold. My daddy liked it hotter.
3: I am not your... quite...
1: I am Sir James Bond. Daddy! My child! You know, if you weren't my dad, I think I could fancy you.
3: That's very good of you, my dear. rather warming, in here, don't you think?
0: Superb, Formidable! Splendid! Bravo! Dear Vesper, the things you do for money. Isn't Evelyn a girl's name? No, it's mine, actually. Uh, which side do you uh, dress, sir? Uh, I usually dress away from the window. I am the daughter of Mata Hari. <laughs> Mata Hari!
3: I'm as good as
2: I can see that.
1: Where to? Marleyan.
3: East or west? West, of course. Oh, well, that's all right, then. Our instructions are that when we are sitting, we are bidding. When we are standing, we are not bidding. We'll do our bidding sitting down. When we're standing up, we're not bidding. We stand, we bid. We no stand, we no bid. And uh, the British, representative. Well, I I don't know, actually. It's all a bit of both, I suppose,
2: really. I've been framed. This gun shoots backwards.
0: I just killed myself. Haven't by any chance seen a young lady in a green dress, have you? Uh, Would that be a lady with a black bag over her head being manhandled by
3: two unsavory gentlemen? Would very well be, yes. In five days' time, I'll be ruler of the earth. how would you like to be my co-ruler? Why not? What do you mean, why not? You hate me.
0: You're a French police officer, and yet you have a Scots accent. Ah, it worries me too. Saying
2: to me that you find Uncle James more attractive than I am?
0: Uncle James, he's a real man. Wow. 200,000
1: American dollars.
0: 100,000 pounds. A wagon load of vodka. 70 million tons of rice.
1: Madam, are you quite sure you're dying?
0: Not dying. I'm going to another world. There's a convent over that hill.